for Fan for Racing NASCAR Weekend Preview, and it's going to be a loaded show tonight uh, or today. We've got all kinds of things that we need to talk about. Uh, joining me shortly will be our co-host Jay Huseman, but uh, I'm going to give an overview while we're waiting for him to uh, show up here. Now, first in the first half hour, we're going to preview. I'm sorry, we're going to review the Charlotte races. First, and we're going to start with the truck series and the Xfinity series in the first half hour. In the second half hour, we're going to review both of the cup races, the Coca-Cola 600 and the Alsco 500. Uh, during the third half hour, we're going to do the preview part of the show, and we're going to preview the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity series races at Bristol Motor Speedway. During uh, our fourth half hour, we'll get into the NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off uh, with our fan for racing crew. And uh, as you guys know, if you've been listening to us for a while, we occasionally go over into overtime with our uh, hot topics. So uh, stay tuned for the podcast where you'll hear all of that. So joining me now is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Good Friday uh, morning. Get all these uh, right. It's not Thursday, and it's not evening, right? <laughs> no, it's not. I made the same mistake uh, saying tonight. But uh, we are doing the podcast for this show uh, because uh, we can, I guess. <laughs> and we'll have it available for everybody uh, immediately as we finish uh, doing our uh, recording here. So with that, Jay, let's go ahead and get into the review of the Truck Series race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, we've been saying for a long time we think this is some of the best racing in all of uh, uh, NASCAR. And I've got to tell you, uh, it was extra fun on uh, Tuesday night when we were able to watch uh, some of the Cup Series guys go after the bounty for beating Kyle Busch. That certainly added something to that race. Uh, I think it still was, it was a great race overall, but that certainly added that little bit of extra element, especially the fact that it came down to Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch. Uh, you know, who could have scripted that any better with the events of the previous race there for the Cup Series? <laughs> exactly. It really worked out pretty well. Uh, and Chase Elliott had a really good weekend after having some uh, difficulties earlier uh, at uh, Charlotte and at Darlington. Okay, now I'm going to go over the uh, results, starting with Chase Elliott, who at the age of 24, in the number 24 iRacing Chevrolet for GMS Racing, his crew chief for this race was Charles DeNike. And uh, Chase Elliott won the 18th annual North Carolina Education Lottery 200. It was his third victory in 13 Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series races. And I heard some amazing stats on his truck races. I think he's had no races outside of the top five. It's, it's really amazing what he's done in trucks. 
in only 13 races. It's also his first victory and first top 10 finish this year. It's the first victory and first top 10 finish in two races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Kyle Busch finished second, his 13th top 10 finish in 15 races at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and it's his second top 10 finish this year. Zane Smith, the rookie, posted his first top 10 finish in two races at Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, and he, uh, he also was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So really impressive run there for Zane Smith. Any comments about the top three there? Well, again, Chase Elliott, being the driver he is, and we know he's going to be here even on the cup side, uh, not a surprise, uh, I believe. It. I don't think Derek mentioned it. Trying to think, I think Martinsville of 18 or 17 was his last, even his last truck series start, uh, let alone mm-hmm. uh, victory. So that in itself is pretty amazing, but that's what makes these guys the top guys. Kyle Busch, I mean, his stats are going to go down as legendary when it comes to the truck series. They really are. Um, and you're right. They're talking about the rookie, Zane Smith. Like I said, even without Kyle Busch or Chase Elliott there, I think it was a great race. We saw Zane Smith up there mixing it up with them. Uh, great to see as these rookies get settled into these series and get their feet under them that they can run with the top guys. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about watching Zane Smith for the rest of the season as well. Uh, I think he might be one of those rookies that can get himself into the playoffs uh, when the time comes. So stay tuned uh, for more from Zane Smith. Uh, In number fourth place was Brett Moffitt. Number five is Sheldon Creed. Uh, Now rounding out the next uh, five drivers to round out the top ten are John Hunter Nemechek, uh, one of those drivers going after that bounty, Johnny Sauter, Ty Majeski, another rookie, Austin Hill in ninth, and Ben Rhodes rounds out the top ten. And there you have another great mix. There you have a great mixture of your championship contenders. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, making a, he makes the occasional truck series starts. Again, I don't know if his was necessarily after that bounty, but with, uh, with the, his own team, uh, Nemechek Motorsports, picking up a sixth-place finish. Again, talk about him in the Cup Series when we get there, but just an outstanding job with that team. And then yet another rookie, a Ty Majeski in eighth, like you said, watching that rookie battle here in the truck series is going to be very interesting throughout the year. And Austin Hill, I believe, is still your points leader. So, like I said, you got that mix of championship contenders right there with them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, we do have a few minutes here of um, – post-race audio from the race winner, Chase Elliott. And I'm going to play just a couple minutes of that. I've not Usually I preview these so I can kind of cue them up for you guys. Uh, I have not had a chance to do that, so bear with me uh, as we uh, <laughs> go blind in playing this post-race audio. Okay, here we go. All right, evening, everyone. We're now joined by Chase Elliott, driver of the number 24 GMS Racing Chevrolet, um, the winner of tonight's North Carolina Education Lottery at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, Chase, just walk us a little bit about how your truck was all night, um, how it feels to get that victory. Yeah, it felt really good. Um, definitely doesn't make up for Sunday, but it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun and, and enjoyed. I uh, enjoyed coming to do this. Appreciate uh, everybody at GMS allowing me to, to come drive. Um, I race through Chevrolet. Uh, glad to see Chevy's up front and, and winning. And, uh, yeah, proud to, proud to get it done tonight. 
All right, well, now we're going to open up the floor for questions. Just a reminder, if you have a question, please click on the participants tab and then raise your hand and I will call on you. Um, we'll get started here with Bob Pockrist. Hey, Chase, what did you think were your chances tonight, considering you haven't been in a truck in a while and, you know, just haven't been kind of running with a team that you've only run a few times with? Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, Bob, I really didn't know. Um, you know, I, I, I would, going into it, I, I didn't know, you know, exactly how good we were going to be or how bad we were going to be. Um, and, heck, I, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, I knew a couple of guys on the team from, from racing with them at Xfinity and a couple of truck races in the past, so there were some new faces. So we were all just kind of learning as we went, but I honestly had no idea. I mean, I thought, you know, maybe it could go really good. Um, I knew it would be tough, you know, to come in and, and try to beat Kyle. Um, you know, he still does it, you know, more than, more than most. So, uh, it was fun to just kind of learn as we went, and, and I enjoyed it a lot. It was, it was, it was a fun night. Okay. Any thoughts there about uh, Chase Elliott's comments? Well, the fact, the fact that, again, he got a cup driver coming into a team shows where that team is at. Um, it could really show them that, not that GMS doesn't know they already have a strong program, but that can help out. And to me, with how GMS did as a whole, uh, lets you know where they're at in the truck series. Because, again, no practice, no qualifying, no track time. You know, GMS came out strong, got the win there with Chase Elliott. So uh, I think you got to watch them as far as the championship team overall. I would agree. Uh, the number 42 car uh, won the uh, first stage of this race. The 42 truck was driven by... Uh, Ross Chastain, the number 24 truck of Chase Elliott won the second stage, and of course he won the third stage. Uh, there were seven caution flags for 37 laps, and get this, Jay, 19 lead changes among just 10 drivers. So that tells you a lot about how much they were battling for that lead. That's it. You're exactly right. We talked about what a great race it was, and that is one of the things that makes it an extremely great race, is seeing that kind of Movement and swapping up front. Uh, there were several times side-by-side, side, three-truck battles for that lead. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and give the uh, points report. All right. Let me scroll over to that. I think I got 18 pages up here now. All right. Uh, uh, Austin Hill is still your points leader, although he doesn't have any wins. There's only one regular truck series driver with a win so far this year, and that's with Grant Infinger, Kyle Busch, and now Chase Elliott being the other two. So Austin Hill is your points leader by 17 points over Johnny Sauter, and he's tied with that rookie we talked about him, Zane Smith, at 103 points. Austin Hill sitting at 120. Your other top five is going to be Ben Rhodes and Brett Moffitt. Again, finished top 10, talked about them being your championship contenders. They're 21 and 22 points back. A little bit of a gap here. You jump back 30 points back from the points leader now. You got Sheldon Creed. There is Grant Enfinger, but has that win, locking himself up, in and moving up. Another rookie, Christian Eckes. Uh, didn't talk about him there in that race, but the rookie battle here is going to be phenomenal. Tyler Ankrum and Cody Robaugh right now round out your top 10 and the top 10 will be locked into the playoffs for the Gander Outdoor Truck Series Championship. All right. Uh, you know, it's amazing to see Zane Smith doing as well as he is in just three races so far this season, tied with the veteran 
Johnny Slaughter for second place. I think that's just amazing. And then it's still tight. Ben Rhodes and Brett Moffat are separated by just one point uh, going down the list here, uh, all the way down to 10. There's 48 points from first place to 10th place. So, uh, And right behind uh, Cody Robar are uh, Matt Crafton and another rookie, Derek Krause from Bill McAnally Racing. So, uh, again, it's so exciting watching uh, these guys race. Uh, This was the North Carolina Education Lottery 200, and uh, it was an exciting race for all the fans. Uh, Since we've we've, uh, got a little time here, let's go ahead and get started with our Xfinity Series uh, review. I know uh, sometimes we, we get into a crunch with these. Uh, they raced their sixth race of the season, the Alsco 300. Uh, they raced this on Memorial Day. Uh, it was a pretty good Memorial Day race. Uh, the total race length was 203 laps for 304.5 miles. Uh, winning this race was, of course, Kyle Busch, uh, but right behind him in second place was uh, Daniel Hemrick. Uh, now, I want to give some stats here about Kyle Busch because uh, – he he always has some amazing stats for fans to be aware of. At age 35 in the number 54 App State Class of 2020 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, his crew chief uh, for the night was Jacob Cantor. Now, Kyle Busch won the 39th annual Alsco 300. It was his 97th victory in 356 Xfinity Series races. His first win and third top 10 finish this year, his ninth victory and 22nd top 10 finish in 27 Xfinity Series races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. In total, uh, he has 18 National Series wins at Charlotte Motor Speedway. One is a Cup Series win and eight are Truck Series wins. Daniel Hemrick, finishing second, posted his third top 10 finish in five races at Charlotte. His That's his third top 10 finish this year and sixth runner-up finish of his career. He's he's amazing at coming in second in all of these races. He's got to have a win coming soon. Austin Sendrick is third, posting his second top 10 finish in four races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And Harrison Burton, who finished ninth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, any comments there before we move on? Well, we've talked about this before with Daniel Heimerich getting a one-year in Cup Series before being shuffled back out. And we made note that he has not won a race in any of the series that he has run, but uh, that doesn't mean he's not there. Uh, As you mentioned, those second-place finishes, he obviously can contend. It's one of those uh, circumstances, in this case, the circumstance being Kyle Busch, that uh, it just doesn't (laughs) fall his way. But he has been a contender in these races, so... I uh, don't think that he's not a good driver just because he doesn't have that win. Uh, he's certainly there and doing a phenomenal job with that junior motorsports team this year, and I think that's really going to lead to some bigger and better things down the road for him. Absolutely, absolutely. I can't wait for that first victory for him because there's going to be a whole lot of celebration going on there. Okay, as we mentioned, Kyle Busch, Daniel Hemrick, and Austin Sendrick are the top three. Rounding out the top five are Ross Chastain and Justin Algauer. The next five to round out the top ten are Justin Algauer, Brett Moffat, Michael Lynette, Brandon Brown, Harrison Burton, the rookie that we mentioned, and in tenth place is Myatt Snyder. 
So uh, some really good finishes there for several drivers. Uh, one, one takeaway I had with that was Brett Moffitt, again, uh, coming back um, from the leg injury. He had broken his legs during the True. COVID uh, time period. I don't want to say off-season, but um, so to be able to recover, he actually didn't miss any of the truck races, which is where he's contending for a championship, uh, but also to come in in the Xfinity Series here with that number zero two and have such a great run, almost the top five, but did get himself a top ten. Uh, ran great all race again another one that was up there in that top 10 battling it out all race long so great to see Brett Moffitt back but there looking down the whole list I look at junior motorsports talked about Daniel Hemrick Justin Algar obviously a perennial contender in the number seven Michael Annette got a seventh place finish and Noah Gregston was just outside there in 11th so junior motorsports right now uh, one of the top teams when it comes to the Xfinity series I know Joe Gibbs Racing, obviously, still the other one. No doubt about that. Okay, now we have our choice. Uh, do you want to hear Kyle Busch, uh, Daniel Hemrick, or Austin Sendrick as uh, one of the top three drivers from this race? Ooh, I would actually like to hear from Daniel Hemrick to see what he has to say. Okay, let's go. We're going to listen to Daniel Hemrick again. I've not had a chance to preview these, so hold tight. And we are now joined by our runner-up, Daniel Hemrick, at tonight's Alsco 300. Daniel, uh, talk about your run tonight. Yeah, I'm Yeah, you bet. Yeah, it was uh, very eventful, if you want to call that. You know, we uh, you know had spots in the race, you know, taken off where our balance was closed, just not quite tight enough to be able to attack this place like you need to once uh, once you're under the lights. And um, Taylor Moore kept tuning on it and, and trying to make the right adjustments. Uh, just I was paid a little bit a little too much to the middle parts of the run to be able to make the hay I needed to to keep moving forward. And once we got inside that top five, eight-ish, we kind of just held on. Uh, we had a lefter tire going down at one point. It kind of hindered one of our adjustments um, and kind of found ourselves on the wrong end of it, I thought. Once we, um, you know, didn't come get tires, we lined up there. We had a quick restart, and uh, there's 20 to go, and the cost came back out. And I thought we were, you know, the last ones on old tires, which is not the place you want to be. And, um, you know, I just – threw it out there to Taylor that, man, I said, we're going to be lucky to hang on here, run run third to fifth. If we're lucky, probably around seventh or eighth. Um, if everything goes smoothly, um, I'd rather come get tires here and be on the offensive side. And he had my back and brought me down pit road and, um, you know, made the, made the right call there because it let me be on the offensive side and be able to, you know, root and gouge on those restarts. And wish we, you know, would have green longer than it did. It maybe would have helped us. Um, but would have, could have, should have. I'm glad we made the decision we did. Um, and had a solid night with our Alsco Camaro, and uh, really proud of Junior Motorsports for believing in me. Uh, I put us in a really big hole throughout the first three to four races um, when it was my turn in the car to start this year off, so it was good to get some momentum back going. Uh, wish we were in victory lane for the Alsco 300 with the Alsco Camaro, but um, for where we started this season, we'll, we'll take it and uh, roll on and keep what we have going. Good deal. We're good. Okay. He gave a lot of information in that response. Your thoughts? Well, one thing is, is almost to me, and I know he's been around for a while with through the Xfinity Series, but a veteran driver talked about the, the changes he had to go through for that race, um, overcoming the adversity, and then accepting, you know, the first races that he was in the car maybe weren't his best and put him in a little bit of a hole. So uh, I just think the depth of him as a driver uh, for Daniel Hamrick is, is extraordinary. And then you look at that team again, using multiple drivers throughout the year, 
for that team, that crew chief. And uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of who it is. I'd have to look it up. But for them to work with multiple different drivers, and they do a phenomenal job with that, getting the driver feedback, that's where driver feedback to make those changes and recover from those things and make the right go in the right direction even during one race, like Daniel Hemrick mentioned, you know, takes a lot from the driver, and, and he's obviously got that. I know it's Taylor. Taylor Moyer is that crew chief of that number eight. Okay. Now, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, uh, Chiras Chastain won the first stage, the number 24 car. I'm checking to see who that was. The 24 car was – they changed these guys. 24 was Garrett Smithley. Is that right? <laughs> no, I'm trying to think start. back. Hold on. The 24 car was Chase Elliott, of course. No, wait a second. I'm in the wrong category yeah. here. Hold on. Xfinity. The 42 car, I'm looking at the wrong uh, list here. The 42 car, the 24, hold on. Who is the 24 car? <laughs> I don't know who I was looking. Okay, the 54 car. Let me put. I was looking at the wrong list all the way around there. Okay, the 54 car won both stage one and stage two of this race, as well as uh, winning the race. Uh, there were 11 uh, caution flags for 53 laps and 20 lead changes among just five drivers. So again, these guys were really trying to mix it up. Xfinity Series, and I, and I know this goes into hot topics we have to talk about all the time of uh, you know Kyle Busch coming down there in this case in that number 54 dominating, um, but it is also very satisfying, and you really know where you're at and measure up to him. You know Austin Sindrick battling door to door with him the week before it was Chase Briscoe, so there are good things that come out of this. I know some fans don't want to accept that, but there really is. You know yeah. um, what. We'll have to see as they go forward again. That's your measuring stick, you know, so you're right there with it. You know where you're at. Uh, and there's nothing sweeter than getting that victory than when you do get it over a team like Joe Gibbs Racing and Kyle Busch. Without a doubt. Uh, okay, we can go ahead and get into our points report here if you want. All right. Chase Briscoe is your your points leader. You know, this race we didn't get to talk to him a little bit real much uh, had a little bit of a rough race but he is your points leader leads with two victories on the season as well uh, behind him eight points back is austin Sindrick, ross chastain 12 back harrison burton also has one victory from early in the year faded a little bit here with this restart but i think he's going to come back strong and then noah gregson those are your top five again chase briscoe two wins harrison burton one noah gregson and then Eighth, uh, look at here, sixth is Justin Algar. Ryan Sieg having a phenomenal start to this season. I know they did some things over the offseason. They are on fire with that team, um, regular top five to top ten contender. We'll see if he can pick up a victory. Brandon Jones sitting in eighth is the other one, Xfinity Series regular with a win so far. Then you have Justin Haley and Michael Annette. And the final two in the transfer positions for the championship right now are Riley Herbst, a rookie from Joe Gibbs Racing, and Brandon Brown. Now, just to throw it out there, right there in 13th, part-time schedule is Daniel Hemrick in that number eight. So that could be interesting. 
Yeah, he's only had five races compared to everybody else's six. So uh, that's pretty impressive. It most certainly is. Oh. Like I said, that team that team as a whole, uh, what they do with the rotating drivers is, is just beyond belief to me. Okay, Jay, we've got a couple minutes here. Uh, before we get into the review for the Cup Series, why don't we go ahead and do our fantasy racing, uh, fan for racing, fantasy racing update. All right, let me find that real quick here. Um, I know we already went through the Truck Series, so I'll do that one first. Uh, again, only three races there. We have a three-way tie at the top. Um, Andy, Sharon, Andy, and Sam all have n- nine points, and I take that back. That is a three-way tie for second. Owen has 10. Sam, Sharon, uh-huh. and Andy are tied at nine. Uh, I'm next at six. Mike is at five coming in here. Uh, I think he only missed the two races in the truck series. And then James has three. On the Xfinity side, that one, Andy has a slim point lead there at 22 over Sam at 18. I'm at 16, Sharon at 15, Owen and Mike at 10 each, and James at five. And the Cup Series, this one's a little bit tighter. Got a few more races in. I lead that one 36 to 33 over Andy, Owen, and Sharon are at 29, Sam at 22, James at 19, and Mike at 8. And that puts the overall. Andy's got control there at 64. Uh, After all the races this past week, I'm at 58, Sharon at 53, Sam at 49, as well as Owen at 49, James at 27, and Mike at 23. So, and again, right now with seven of us playing now, that's seven points for a victory. Uh, that changes a lot, <laughs> race to race. It really does. It really does. And we've still got a lot of season to go through, so uh, anything can happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. It most, we'll certainly, get into our most race. certainly can. We'll get into our race picks time allowing uh, either this next half hour or the following half hour. So with that, uh, we're still a couple minutes ahead, so I'm going to go right into the Coca-Cola 600 uh, that took place actually on Sunday. Uh, And that was won by Brad Keselowski at age 36 in the number two Miller Lite Ford uh, with Team Penske, Crew Chief Jeremy Bullens. Brad Keselowski won the 61st annual Coca-Cola 600, his 31st victory in 384 NASCAR Cup Series races. It's also his first victory and fourth top ten finish this year, his second victory and ninth top ten finish in 20 races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Chase Elliott, who finished second, posted his fourth top ten finish in eight races at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and it's his fourth top ten finish this year. Ryan Blaney finishing third, posting his second top ten finish in nine races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Tyler Reddick, so impressive, finishing eighth, was the highest finishing rookie. And uh, we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but Kevin Harvick still leads the series point standings. I won't give away by how much. Any comments about those guys? race the way it played out uh, a little bit of a change there at the end um you got a feel for chase elliott i know again he had a little bit of a rough week if you will when it came to uh coulda shoulda woulda winning races um due to different different things 
Um, but you got to congratulate Brad, Brad Keselowski. Uh, I know in his interview, he talked about for his team and for him winning the Coca-Cola 600 Memorial Day. He's always been a big supporter of the troops. So I know that race victory meant a lot to him. Um, and you got to give it to him. The, the situation again, Chase Elliott pitted, came back, only got as far as third, moved up to second there. Um, we'll talk about that. But some good runs. Ryan Blaney, we've seen him look strong early in the year. Again, kind of coming back a little bit behind the other two team Penske's. Um, we've seen him now coming back to form. So I think for look for him to be strong. Tyler Reddick, we talked about these rookies. Uh, Reddick running about where we expected for these rookies to see what we – to see what we're going to see out of these rookies. I think Reddick is leading that charge. Uh, maybe a little bit above what maybe where we thought they would be, especially with being an RCR car, but Tyler Reddick being the top rookie in several of the races. And Kevin Harvick, I, he's going to be there. I mean, that's all you can say. I don't remember how far back into last year his string of top tens goes, but he's to, I believe, nine or ten races of finishing in the top ten. Absolutely, absolutely agree with everything that you said there. Uh, I'll finish out the the top five here. We know Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney are the top three. Then there's Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick rounding out that top five. Martin Truex Jr. finishing sixth. He had a rough day, so for him to get a sixth-place finish was an accomplishment. Kurt Busch finishing seventh. Tyler Reddick, we mentioned the highest-finishing rookie in eighth. But right behind him is Christopher Bell in ninth, another rookie. And Chris Busher rounds out that top ten. Any additional comments there, Jay? Uh, Martin Truex Jr., uh, again, we've seen the Toyotas maybe lacking a little bit. They get the occasional good finish, obviously Denny Hamlin having two wins. Um, but we haven't seen the overall strength from those teams, uh, whether it be throughout the race. And I know got to take Kyle Busch's interviews with a grain of salt, but um, they, <laughs> they haven't really run up front and been strong contenders week in and week out, whether they get the win, get the finish or not. Uh, I think he has a point there. The way he says it may be a little brutal and rough, but he does have a valid point. We've seen that with Truex and, and Hamlin as well. So keep an eye on the Toyotas as we move forward. Great run for Kurt Busch. And then we mentioned the two rookies, uh, Tyler Reddick this week, uh, Christopher Bell right with there. And that is one that under the Toyota banner, uh, subpar under uh, Joe Gibbs Racing with the Levine Family Racing. Haven't seen what we've ex- maybe expected out of him this year. I think the last two to three races, we've seen more of what they're capable of. So looking forward to that again as, as they get that all straightened out for Christopher Bell to be a weekly contender. Great, great run for uh, Chris Busher there with the Roush Fenway Racing number 17 that he's in this year. That's another one that believe that, that they're capable of as they get settled in to see more of throughout the season. Yes, indeed. And just to follow up on the rookie report here, uh, we mentioned Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell back-to-back in 8th and ninth. but Cole Custer was uh, in 12th place, and John Hunter Nemechek uh, finished in 16th place. Now, these four drivers seem to be the cream of the crop right now as far as the rookie group. Last year it was the big three. This time it's the fabulous four. Uh, these four drivers have really – uh, been impressive, I think, for this season, and I think we've got a lot to look forward to with these rookies. Um, let me go ahead and, and look at the audio here for um, the Coca-Cola 600. That was on Sunday. Uh, we do have uh, 
info here. We have audio from Brad Keselowski, uh, Tyler Reddick, uh, and uh, Austin Dillon. Any of those that you want to hear from? Ooh. Again, and the only reason I'm not taking the race winner is because I'm sure that one got a lot of publicity. So I would go with either Tyler Reddick or uh, Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon? So let's go with the okay. rookie. Go with oh, okay. the rookie? Yeah, okay. go, go with Tyler the rookie. Rutt- See what Tyler had to say. Okay, it's only 51 seconds, so it's not going to be very long, but let's hear what he has to say. Well, the longest night of racing is in the books. Um, man, it's a it's a tough day for our, all the guys on our Alaska uniform Chevrolet, but we fought really, really hard to, to make our car better, and we took a gamble there at the end, and it almost paid off. We almost were able to get out of there with the top five finish after uh, having a very tough day, especially from stage uh, two and on. So uh, track just didn't do exactly what I was hoping it would do throughout this race tonight, unfortunately, but uh, 600 miles in the books, 400 laps done, and we uh, were able to get a top ten out of this thing, and we're going to move into Wednesday night and try to make our race car a little bit better. We'll be working hard on it, but... Um, Man, tough night. The race kind of flew by, but uh, it was it was definitely uh, a long one, and uh, glad we were able to get top ten out of it. So hats off to all the guys, and we'll uh, we'll keep plugging away at this. All right, your thoughts there, Jay. Well, again, for for a rookie, uh, you know, I know he's got the Xfinity Series experience to lean back on, but again, this was the longest race of the year for the Cup Series, the, the 600. Glad we got to get it in as the 600 uh, with everything that's going been been going on with the schedule. And just to point out, that was one race they did do qualifying for Austin Dillon starting in the fifth spot. And, and I mentioned a little bit earlier of where Richard Childress Racing was at. Again, they brought in Tyler Reddick, Daniel Hemrick, the one that uh, got let go, um, to see him performing at this high level and truly leading that team, um, I think, tells you about him as a driver. And already, as a rookie, he's saying, hey, the track didn't do what I expected. They had to work real hard, work together with his crew chief to make the changes they need, maybe take a little bit of a gamble there at the end, but that's what being part of the team is, you know, uh, getting on that same page and, and knowing that and taking that chance. And, you know, like you said, it didn't pay off as good as it could have, but I think he still had a very impressive run, especially, you know, the Coca-Cola 600 for some reason does tend to lend itself towards rookies doing good. And he was the top one. So that tells you that that he's leading that pack. Absolutely. And, and this is such an endurance and stamina kind of a race. And so for these rookies to have that, already so early in their cup career is really amazing now we've got a few minutes here jay so i'm going to go ahead and play austin Dillon's audio as well it's only a minute 24 so we can hear the whole audio here so let's see what he had to say hey everyone uh post-race feel really good uh overall physically that was a good thing um we ran the top 10 all night had a really solid car, um, showed some times where we were up front in the top five, ran some of the fastest laps of the race at times. Bummed when you go all night long and run like that and give it away at the end. Um, our call was if a couple pit, we were going to stay out. I actually said if all of them stay out, I'm pitting. Um, not all of them stayed out. I thought more would stay out. Uh, probably should have came and got two. The 18 was running run one position in front of us, came and got two and ended up fifth. 
you never know. If you get the outside there, my teammate Reddick had the outside, ended up uh, being able to maintain and run ninth. I should have known we were too tight at the end. I kind of drove the wheels off of it, and caution came out. Just a little um, overconfident, wanted to get another good finish. It worked for us at Vegas. Um, but all in all, we had a top-10 car, I'm going to say. We were eighth to ninth all night on average. Got to thank Coca-Cola, all of our partners at RCR, Dow, Bass Pro Shops. Um, 600 miles of remembrance today. It was really cool. So thank you guys for uh, following us. Wednesday should be a good one for us. We'll turn it around. and Man. We got it. We we have good cars. We um, can prove that we run up front. We just gotta get those finishes. So thank you, guys. All right. Uh, it should be duly noted. Austin Dillon has had some pretty solid finishes this season, uh, and maybe maybe uh, having Tyler Reddick there is helping to turn our CR around. Well, and we look at it that Charlotte is one of the better tracks for them. Mentioned. Uh, Tyler Reddick qualifying True. fifth. Austin Dillon had qualified sixth. So they were obviously set up for the track. Um, again, the, the changing conditions. And, and what, I, what I heard there, and not, it's not just I don't think carries from this race, but the, the little bit of dejection knowing that the car, they didn't quite finish where they felt they would run all throughout the race. Uh, and Austin said some of that was on him. You know, he said the car was a little tidy over or drove the wheels off it, I think is how he said it. So although he has had some good runs, and we talked about this, it's going to kind of borderline on a hot topic we had discussed once already, um, Mm -hmm. being that he is the veteran there, that seeing his teammate outrun him, you know, you don't ever want to get outrun, let alone by somebody that's running the same equipment you got. So I I think that comes into But they know that they do have fast cars that are capable of being up there, so he wants to put them up there where they belong. Absolutely. Okay, now, uh, this race had four stages, so it was uh, Alex Bowman who won stage one and stage two. Stage three was won by uh, Joey Logano, and, of course, Brad Keselowski, his teammate, won the race. Uh, There were eight cautions for 52 laps and 20 lead changes among 11 drivers and this is this is where i like i know we've, we've been talking about especially with midweek races the shorter races but these longer races i like that especially the daytime into the nighttime keeping up with the changes we saw alex bowman looked unbeatable in stage one and two and i'd have to scroll down i know he didn't uh, what did, I think he finished 20th, 19th. There we go. I knew he swapped with the swap. He started up front. So uh, Joey Logano, again, won stage three, ended up 13th. So it's the total package, and that's where you see the teams that really work well together, keep up with the track, make the right adjustments. The cream rises to the top, and, and that's one of those things you got to have as a team to be able to go through these longer races is to keep up with the track, make the right adjustments, be ahead of the game, to be there at the end. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, cover the points. We mentioned Kevin Harvick still has the lead, but there's more to the story. <laughs> All right, well, did you want to do the because we got one more cup race in there, so. Well, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess we can do that. Well, this was – let's do the point standings as it stood after the Coca-Cola 600. And I'll have to pull that up where it was in between. Give me one second here. Okay. I can do the first five while you're trying to pull it up there. Kevin Harvick does have the lead there. 
23 points behind him is Joey Logano, followed by Alex Bowman, two points behind Logano. Chase Elliott is in fourth place, and uh, six points behind him is Brad Keselowski in fifth. And he's actually Okay, now keep in mind. Yep. And that was, again, following the Coca-Cola 600. We had another Charlotte race after that, and we'll do that one after. But that put Martin Mm -hmm. Truex, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Eric Alamarola at 6th through 10th. And that's where you see those Toyotas. Again, Denny Hamlin sitting in 8th does have two wins, still in 8th spot. Going down a little bit further, rounding out 11th through 16th. Again, this is where the cutoff line is for the Cup Series. You have Matt Benedetto. We've seen him run strong all year. Kurt Busch having those flashes. Eric Jones in that fourth uh, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Clint Boyer, Jimmy Johnson, and Tyler Reddick. And at that point, uh, Jimmy Johnson and Tyler Reddick actually tied at 162 points. Jimmy Johnson having a little bit of an edge with better finish. Um, Tyler Reddick, you're being rookie in that top 16 as far as the cutoff line. Um, and then right behind him, William Byron, Austin Dillon, Chris Busher, Bubba Wallace. And again, we'll take a look at how much that changed here following this second Charlotte race going into uh, Bristol this weekend. And that was race number seven, I believe, because number eight was the second race, uh, Charlotte Correct. Race. That is correct. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead. Do you want to give the picks since we have a couple minutes here? Uh, for the cup race? All right. I think for the cup series, let me see if I've seen heard from James yet. I've not heard from James yet. Oh, actually, I have. Hold on one second. Let me pull oh. that up. Um, I know Andy got to go first, and I can't say it's a bad pick. I know it's one of his favorites, but for Bristol, going to be a good pick, I think, is going to be Clint Boyer. And... Do you happen to have, I know Mike made his pick. Who did Mike come in with? Matt, Matt Benedetto. But, again, a great pick for Bristol. Uh, I believe that's one of his best finishes there, um, even with another team. So, Matt Benedetto, a great pick. Uh, James has taken Eric Jones uh, in, the, in that Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. And looking to see I'm who that next. puts up next. Oh, there you go. That's, That's what I was looking for. Okay, so I'm going right. to take. I think I'm going to take Kurt Busch on this one. Another another good one. Uh, you know, throughout the years, as Kurt's um, reached his prime, if you will, uh, we've seen him have some great runs, and Bristol is certainly one of them. So that will actually put up Sam next, then Owen. That's four. Yep. So it'll be Sam, Owen, and then uh, myself. I was giving Mike crap about oh, that. Okay. He had to wait till the end of the other one to go last, and this week it's me <laughs> as I did have Chase Elliott here for this last race. All right. Uh, now we're going to get into – I'm going to go ahead and move on to the uh, Alsco Uniforms 500 that took place at Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, the last night, in fact. And the race winner was Chase Elliott at age 24 uh, in the number nine Kelly Blue Book Chevrolet uh, with Hendrick Motorsports and crew chief Alan Gustafson. Uh, Elliott won uh, his seventh victory in 157 NASCAR Cup Series races, his first victory in fifth top ten finish this year, his first victory in fifth 
top ten finish in nine races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Denny Hamlin finished second, posting his 18th top ten finish in 29 races at Charlotte, and it's also his fifth top ten finish this year. Ryan Blaney, your third-place finisher, uh, posting his third top ten finish in ten races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The highest finishing rookie was John Hunter Nemechek, finishing 13th. And uh, just some stats here with as it relates to Hendrick Motorsports uh, leading the NASCAR Cup Series in wins at Charlotte Motor Speedway with 20. Jimmy Johnson has eight, Jeff Gordon five, Daryl Waltrip two, Ken Schrader one, Terry Labonte one, Casey Mears won, Casey Kane won, and Chase Elliott won. A total of 20 races for Hendrick Motorsports at that track. Also, Chevrolet leads the NASCAR Cup Series in wins at Charlotte Motor Speedway with 46 points-paying victories. That's amazing. Uh, Some great things there. Hearing some of those names that you mentioned with uh, Hendrick Motorsports, (laughs) let alone uh, within NASCAR, um, always great to to hear those names and think back on those memories. But so far yeah. right now, uh, even before the the COVID break, the Chevrolets as a whole, especially Rick, uh, Rick Hendrick Motorsports, Hendrick Motorsports, we saw that they were strong and had figured it out from last year. Uh, so this continuing, I know it's early. Again, we're race eight out of 36 if I'm all in. But right now, Hendrick Motorsports uh, definitely looking very strong with uh, both Ch- Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman now having wins. And, you know, they said Chase Elliott realistically could have won the last three races. Mm-hmm. He's, he's been really strong. Denny Hamlin has really shown some strength at this track uh, this weekend as well with his second-place finish. And Ryan Blaney, I'm impressed with what he's doing over there at Team Penske. Uh, he had some really strong moments throughout both of these races. That one, again, to start the year, I think uh, I had mentioned it. I felt like he was the strongest car out there week in and week out. Even if he had a problem late in the race and finished dead last, you got to watch the race as a whole and, and know how they were running to really evaluate that. And they really did early in the season looked to be the strongest car out there week in and week out kind of lost some of that, but I think they're getting it back. So I do look for Ryan Blaney to uh, come on strong here in these next few weeks. Okay. Rounding out the top five, another driver having a really strong run uh, this season is Ricky Stenhouse jr. Finishing in fourth place. Kurt Busch rounds out the top five. The next five drivers are uh, Team Penske's Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski. Uh, in eighth place is Austin Dillon. Uh, ninth, uh, Martin Truex Jr. Again, he was not his best day. He had to race uh, through the field a couple of times there. Uh, Kevin Harvick in tenth, and uh, he rounds out the top ten drivers here. Uh, again, John Hunter Nemechek was the highest finishing rookie, but behind him, uh, was Tyler Reddick in 14th, uh, Christopher Bell in 21st, and where's Cole Custer? Cole Custer did not have a good day. <laughs> uh, 18th, actually, just a little bit. No, 18th. He's a couple ahead of Christopher Bell. Oh, he was a Custer. Okay, thank you. I, I missed it there. So, yeah, all of them in the top uh, 21 drivers there at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway last night. So uh, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I got a lot of them there as you went from six on. Uh, the Penske team, 
Uh, I talked about that, finishing uh, third, sixth, and seventh. Uh, good run. I think – excuse me a minute. <coughs> Sorry. Um, I think that uh, from the beginning of the year to now, talked about Ryan Blaney and obviously Brad Keselowski picking up the win, moving up. I think Joey Logano has kind of slid back just a little. Obviously, a top ten is great run, but we saw him winning races uh, two of the first four early in the year. Still getting stage wins, but it seems like maybe – and it might be a strategy thing. We've seen it that they'll take a chance knowing they got wins in their pocket and it's not working out quite as well as they would hope. Um, they're still strong and running there, but I think he's sliding back a little bit while, while Brad Keselowski and the two and the 21 of Blaney are kind of moving up. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And then you mentioned again, Austin Dillon, great run. Um, we mentioned that RCR at Charlotte, Austin Dillon leading this time there with the eighth place finish. The Toyota Truex, great run. Harvick, top 10. I mean, that's just, you know, put those two together at all times. Harvick, top 10. Um, One that got skipped there, I just want to mention, Jimmy Johnson ended up, and we didn't talk about it, but he got DQ'd from a second-place finish in the uh, 600, so got credited Mm -hmm. with last. Started 40th, come up to 11th. Here in the last three to four weeks, we have seen that 48 team be headed strongly back in the direction where that 48 team is known to be. Um, several of the races we saw that, that, that he is up there mixing it up, um, going for stage wins. So look out as that 48 team uh, is really coming on strong here as of late. And then the final thing, yeah, without uh, a the doubt. rookies. Go ahead. The rookies, yeah. uh, we, we talked about it, and John Hunter Nemechek uh, continued to am- amaze me. I mean, I had faith in him, but, again, when you look at stats, I had to put him behind Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, and Tyler Reddick. There isn't a doubt there in my mind that I didn't think he was necessarily into the big three, but he has shown this year, and when we look at the point standings, we'll look at where where they all fall in. But several races this year, he has been the top rookie, finishing in the top ten, and, again, even going above what I expected of him. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been really fun to watch. I think most of us were thinking big three, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, it's actually ending up being the fabulous four. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, I want to go over the info here. Uh, Joy Logano won the first stage. Uh, Alex Bowman won the second stage. Uh, there were seven caution flags for 37 laps, 15 lead changes among eight drivers. And uh, as for post-race audio, I do have a quick one here from Matt Kenseth that's just uh, 13 seconds long. Uh, We listened to Austin Dillon already, so I won't bring that up, but I also have Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, uh, Alan Gustafson, and Chase Elliott. So uh, beyond Matt Kenseth, do you have any preferences there, Jay? Um, I would go with Blaney uh, with how strong they've been running. Let's see what Blaney has to say. Okay, well, let's start with Matt Kenseth first, and then we'll go to Blaney. We'll talk about that, and then we'll go to Blaney. Tough night for our Credit One Camaro again. Uh, Flat tire, loose wheel, even ran over a little piece of orange paint. I hope the paint is okay. Uh, Tough night, uh, better days ahead. Okay, short and sweet. Uh, Wasn't his best day at the track since he's returned, uh, but uh, Matt Kenseth, we know, uh, is capable. 
He is, and, it, and it's one of those, especially the first, what, two races at Darlington there uh, looked really good coming out. You know, again, unfortunately, part of that team, the, the Ganassi team, we've seen this before that they have their little issues. Uh, hopefully that can all get worked out because these second, second two races uh, have not been stellar, but I don't put that on the driver of the team. It's just a set of circumstances, and they will recover. Okay, now the thing to kind of remember in this next audio that we're going to listen to, Denny Hamlin passed Ryan Blaney coming to the finish line uh, to take over that second-place spot. So uh, Ryan Blaney was contending for the win, actually, uh, and then lost uh, lost a couple of spots there in the closing laps. So let's hear what Ryan Blaney had to say. I'm here. Uh, okay, I see you. Joining us. There we go. We are now joined by Ryan Blaney. We're going to go ahead and open it straight up for questions for Ryan. Uh, we'll start with Jeff Gluck. Go ahead with your question, Jeff. Yeah, Ryan, um, I was just wondering, you know, now that we, we've had a few intermediate track races, um, where do you feel like you guys stack up with the rest of the field, and do you have any, you know, concerns going forward about whether you're behind or where you need to be or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, we've had, had a handful of them and honestly, I, I think the best group out there right now is the, is Hendrick. They have really great speed right now on the mile and a half, um, or the bigger tracks. Um, you know, I've seen it. It might not, it kind of has some unfortunate circumstances, which is see our team has capitalized on the Pesky group has capitalized on it uh, at a couple of them tracks, but, uh, Hendricks really strong. Um, I feel like we're close with our group. Uh, we just got to find a little bit more. And um, no concerns. Just just got to keep working, you know, and uh, see where the year goes. It's it's tough, you know, with, with no practice and things like that. You're just kind of hoping things work at the shop and and lining up and racing them. So um, that's a little bit tough to learn. I feel like, but uh, I feel like we're we're, we're close to where we need to be, but um, that group is definitely pretty special right now, especially at the mile and a half. So we'll see when we get to some shorter tracks, kind of where we stack up, like next week at Bristol, but um, we got a little bit of work to do. Okay. Um, it, he brings up an interesting point. These guys are throwing a little bit of a wrench with no practice uh, before they get out there on the track. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jay, about Blaney's kind of... You know, I mean, it, it's it's one of those of how do I how do I put this? It, racers want to win, so if they're not to. winning, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry, no, As never mind. Say, You know, if they're if they're not winning, you know, they know they're not where they need to be. Again, I think they are going in a great direction and and have been strong, but they still want that little bit more. You know, they're looking at that other team of hey, they're still beating us here or there. Um, so he mentioned, you know, the mile and a half program. If that's something obviously Penske's gonna want to wants to look at or focus on um, to get where they need to be to be on the level these other teams are, um, which is good. I mean, obviously it gives you that stride, but I think that's one of those I you know that tough pill to swallow to know that you were contending for the win and didn't didn't get it or didn't get the finish you felt like you deserved with where the car was. But I think that right now I think they're in a very good position. I really do. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, pretty fantastic. Uh, uh, I, we have not given our Xfinity Series picks yet for the race at Bristol, 
And by the way, that race is taking place on Monday. We'll get into that here in just a few minutes. Uh, but as a transition into our Xfinity Series preview, uh, let's go ahead and give our picks for that race. All right, for the Xfinity Series going into Bristol. Let me see where we start. Uh, Sharon got to start there. Going to go with Harrison Burton. James took Ross Chastain. Owen took Ryan Sieg. Talk about the the season he's having in a short track like Bristol, right up his alley. Uh, I took Austin Sindrick. This one was a tough debate, but that allowed Andy to take Chase Briscoe. Sam took Justin Eilgeier. And Mike took Daniel Hemrick. All of them really great picks, and Bristol is one of those. It's Bristol, baby. You never know. But I think those are the strong ones out of the group. Uh, again, barring any uh, unforeseen incidences, which I'm sure we will have, um, some strong picks there. Yes, indeed. And uh, usually our group is not too far off the off the mark on our picks. So uh, definitely looking to see what happens there at Bristol. Uh, and uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, I, I do want to give a quick update with regard to the uh, truck series. They are not racing this weekend. We just watched them at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series will be racing the Vet Ticks Camping World 200 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Not this, well, it's, yeah, not this weekend, but the following weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. That race is on Saturday, June the 6th. So uh, stay tuned to more on that with next week's preview show. I will tell you the defending winner at that race is none other than Kyle Busch. <laughs> Imagine that, right. Kyle Busch, the defending winner of a truck race. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, now with the NASCAR Xfinity Series, they are racing the Cheddars 300 presented by ALSCO at Bristol Motor Speedway on Monday, June the 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the television coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 at 6.30 p.m. and uh, radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio is also available. They'll be racing a distance of 159.9 miles or 300 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 85, stage 2 on lap 170, and the last stage on the last lap, lap 300. The defending winner of this race is Christopher Bell. Did you get the the news and notes I sent? I am scrolling down into the Xfinity series um, here. Okay. Uh, I wanted to give a shout-out. I know in the past couple weeks we've said that we aren't getting them. Um, Normally when we do the show on Thursday, we get them, what, Wednesday night, Thursday morning to afternoon. (laughs) Um, So they are coming out on Fridays. I know last week. Last week when we did the Friday show, they came out after we finished the show. But you got to give NASCAR a shout out again with what everything they got going on. Yes. Um, you know that's obviously one of the least things on their list of things to worry about. And in this case, we got it what two or three minutes before the show started, so it was a quick uh, rebound uh, from the moment we got it to the, starting the show here. Uh, getting into the pit stall assignments. All right, with that, again, the pit stall assignments and starting lineup procedures. Now, the pit stall selection will be selected based on finishing position from the May 25th race at Charlotte 
followed by new entries in order of points. Now, the starting lineup, positions 1 through one through 12, the first 12 Xfinity teams based on the adverse conditions lineup eligibility will be assigned starting positions first through 12th on a random draw. So um, the adverse conditions lineup was the race at Charlotte for the Xfinity Series. Top 12 finishers from that race, random draw, lineup for this race. And then the same thing, 13th through 24th and 25th through 36th. And then any vehicles that are eligible for the event that weren't in that race will go 30th through 40th. 37th. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, 37th through 40th. Okay. Okay, let's talk about Chastain and Sindrick moving on up. Now, Ross Chastain and Austin Sindrick are two of the drivers uh, that fans will definitely want to keep their eyes on at Bristol Motor Speedway this Monday. Chastain's performance at Charlotte Motor Speedway allowed him to jump two spots in the standings, and he's now third, only 12 points behind Chase Briscoe. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, he is running for points in this series. So last year it was the truck series. This year it's Xfinity. Chastain's jump in the points is the most of any driver other driver in the top 10, he led 68 laps, the second most laps uh, in the series, and finished runner-up in both stages at Charlotte. Austin Sindrick also jumped up one spot. He's now second in the series point standings, and he's right behind Bristol by just eight points. He finished sixth in stage one, fourth in stage two, and then battled with Kyle Busch for the win on that last lap. Chastain and Cindric are both the highest-ranked drivers without a win, and they seem to be getting closer and closer every week uh, to getting that victory. They are definitely knocking on the door. Cindric has only finished outside the top ten in one of the six races so far this season, uh, and that was the season-opening Daytona International Speedway race. Um, and he finished uh, outside because of a wreck. Now, Chastain is in the same boat as Cindric. Uh, he only finished outside the top ten in the season opening race, also at Daytona International Speedway. And you mentioned uh, definitely ones that we're watching, and uh, both of them were for this weekend's race at Bristol. I expect to see both of them as contenders. Now, other eyes, they're on the Gator, Algar. The numbers would say that Justin Algar, driver of the number seven junior motorsport Chevrolet, is the one to watch on Monday at Bristol Motor Speedway. Let me let me, let me repeat that. Uh, Monday at Bristol Motor <laughs> Speedway. That's just, wow. Got to got to get used to things like that. Um, aside from the fact that he's had a strong start to the season, Alvarez's numbers at Bristol Bristol are extremely good. He got his first career win at the track in March of 2010. And so far this season, he's got two top 5 finishes coming at Darlington and Charlotte and three top 10s the Darlington Charlotte, as well as Las Vegas. Now, Monday's race at Bristol will mark Algar's 19th start at the track. He has that one win in 2010, eight top fives, and 11 top tens, with an average start of 7.3. He also finished in the top 10 in the last 10 Xfinity Series races at Bristol, except two. And that gives him the third best driver rating of the series at 125.2. And the only two drivers in front of him are Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski. 
He's also ranked third for the fastest laps run at 243 and second for green flag passes at 520. Algar has run a total of 4,067 laps in the top 15, second place for the most laps led at 482. And we set number seven Chevrolet has run up, a, up front a lot this season, and Bristol seems like it could be the place that he finally takes home that checkered flag. We've seen that with Algar, uh, maybe not getting the wins like he has in the past, but still running right there in contention. Without a doubt. Okay, now we're going to take a look at who stacks up at Bristol, baby. Looking back at this race last year, six of the drivers that finished in the top ten are currently sitting in the top ten in the Xfinity Series point standings. Uh, first, there was Christopher Bell. Second was Tyler Reddick. Third, Cole Custer. Now there are Cup Series drivers. They took the first three spots, and Chase Bristol took the fourth. Uh, it was in sixth place was Austin Sindrick, followed by Justin Haley, Michael Annette, Noah Gregson, and Harrison Burton. Now, Briscoe is making his fifth start at Bristol this Monday. He has two top fives in the last two races there, finishing fourth and runner-up. Now, Sindrick is also making a fifth start Monday. He has one top five and two top tens at the track. He started from the pole last year at the second Bristol race. And Haley... Uh, will be making his third start and has a best finish of seventh in the race there last year, in this race there last year. Annette has 15 starts to his name at Bristol. That's the most, um, okay, that's the most, I'm sorry, I got a distraction there, of any of the drivers in the top ten. He has seven top ten finishes, and three of those came in the last three races. Gregson is making his third start uh, in the Xfinity Series with one top ten uh, coming at this race in 2019. Burton is making his second start in the series at Bristol. His first came last year for Joe Gibbs Racing when he finished fifth and finished tenth. I'm sorry, started fifth and finished tenth. Now, speaking of Joe Gibbs Racing, Burton, who now competes full-time in the number 20 Toyota, will look to carry Bell's momentum into Monday's race. Burton took over the number 20 this season for Bell, who moved up to the Cup Series, a racing for Levine Family Racing. Joe Gibbs Racing shines at Bristol Motor Speedway. He has won six of the last nine races at that track. Kyle Busch won the fall 2015 race for JGR. Eric Jones won the spring race in 2016. JGR also swept the races in 2017 with Jones and Bush both taking home another victory. And Ryan Priest won the spring Bristol race in 2018 for JGR. Now, Bell's win last year is the most recent win at the track. In total, JGR has 13 wins at Bristol, as that's the most of any other team owner for the Xfinity Series. Even with one start at the uh, track, Burton has ranked second at the track for average running position and has the fifth best driver rating at 97.3. He also leads the rankings in average speed early in a run at 106.038 miles per hour. With that momentum uh, that he's shown uh, so far this season and a strong showing in his first start at the short track last season, another win could be in the cards for that driver of the number 20. And by the way, that was my pick for the Xfinity Series race uh, on Monday night. 
was, I was going to say, I was going to ask if you wrote that whole section there just to uh, back up your pick or not. <laughs> it really does back it up, doesn't it? I, it I hadn't even seen it. It certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. You're right. It came out after you made your pick right away. So uh, yeah. I know we talked about the uh, points lead here. I'll give you a quick recap on that. There wasn't a huge shakeup following the Alsco 300 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Again, Kyle Busch getting that win is not cannot declare points for the Xfinity Series. Picked up both the stage wins in the race. So Chase Briscoe is able to hold on to his points lead. Now Austin Sindrick's impressive third, run, third place run bumped him up to second in the points, whereas Harrison Burton dropped to fourth. However, still the highest ranked rookie in the series. So right now, Briscoe sitting at 251 points, has two wins. Austin, eight back. Ross Chastain, 12. Harrison Burton, 17. Noah Gregston, 19. A little bit of a gap there when we get back to Justin Algar, 33 points back. And Ryan Sieg, 59. Brandon Jones and Justin Haley tied at 65. And Michael Annette at 82. And that, I believe, is your top 10. All right. Uh, next, we're going to take a look at uh, the series at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, there's a lot of history there. I'm going to try to uh, go over this very quickly. Uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, first of all, is a .533 mile track in Bristol, Tennessee. They have 24 to 28 degrees of banking in the corners, uh, 5 to 9 degrees of banking on the front stretch, and 4 to 9 degrees on the back stretch. The back stretch and front stretch are both 650 feet long. Elliot Sadler holds the race record at the track from March 17th of 2012 at 94.740 miles per hour. Kyle Busch has the most wins with nine, also the most poles with six, and the most top fives with 17 at the track in the Xfinity Series. Kevin Harvick holds the track record uh, for the most top tens at 24. The most lead changes in the Xfinity Series race at Bristol was 16 in 2016, and the fewest was one most recently in 2015. Also in 2015, there was only one leader, and in 2010, there were 10 different leaders. The most cautions in a race, 14 in 2006. The fewest cautions was two in 1983. There were 103 caution laps in 2007, and only 19 in 1983. Chevrolet has the most wins by a manufacturer at the track with 33. Right now, there's only one previous Bristol Motor Speedway winner entered in the Xfinity Series race on Monday. Jeff Green, who's piloting the number 93, uh, Ryan Sieg Racing Chevrolet, won in Bristol in 2002 for Richard Childress Racing. Green now works full-time for RSS Racing as a crew chief, for the number 93, but he also runs a part-time schedule for the team. That's unusual. There's been 75 races at Bristol and 49 different poll winners and 48 race winners. The last race won from the poll was in 2017 by Kyle Busch. Every segment ends with a record, and it is held by Kyle Busch. <laughs> uh, why don't we cover the dash for cash here Because we're going to run out of time, Jay All right I'll slide we'll up to that uh, All right The dash for cash initiative for the Xfinity Series Is back this season Schedule going to look a little different Due to the changes in the 2020 schedule Caused by this COVID-19 pandemic 
Monday night's race at Bristol Motor Speedway, the Cheddar's 300 presented by OSCO, will serve as the qualifier race to set the field for the, of four. The top four Xfinity Series-only finishers at Bristol will race for the first bonus at the Eco Park 250 coming up at Atlanta Motor Speedway on June 6th. The Atlanta race will set the dash for cash field for the next race in the program, which will be Miami, um, the second race at Miami on June 14th. Then Talladega follows on June 20th, and the next race in the Xfinity Series schedule that will round out the program as the fourth event. That race will be determined when NASCAR releases the next portion of their revised schedule. I'll give you a quick recap here. The first four of the competitors to finish in Atlanta win a $100,000 bonus. The winner and those next three highest finishing full-time Xfinity drivers qualify for that next event. Now, once again, the Xfinity will have a charitable component tied into the local markets in the Dash for Cash program. In each of the Dash for Cash markets, Xfinity is going to make donations that reaffirm their company-wide commitment for connecting families, veterans, and seniors to tools necessary for navigating through these tough tough times. So that Dash for Cash program been around a while, but Xfinity stepping up and making it a, a charitable thing as well. Great program for this Xfinity series. Okay, just a quick recap here. Uh, Xfinity is saluting employee heroes on their windshields this weekend. So they're going to salute military community employees across the company that are working to keep communities safe and connected. And among those recognized are 23 employees actively serving in the National Guard who are responding to the current crisis. So watch for that this weekend uh, in the Xfinity series. Um, Now also um, uh, we've kind of talked about uh, these other drivers, so I'm not even going to get into that. I'm going to move right into the Cup Series. They are going to be racing the Food City Presents Supermarket Heroes 500 at Bristol Motor Speedway. They're racing Sunday, May the 31st, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 at 3 p.m., Radio coverage on PRN, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 266.5 miles over 500 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 125, stage 2 on 250, and the last stage, of course, on the last lap. Last year's defending winner, Kyle Busch. I feel like saying none other than Kyle Busch every time we say that. Well, there you go. We'll, we'll, I'll end this segment not with Kyle Busch. Is we're going to take a look at the Snoko rookie watch. <laughs> uh, Sharon, if you haven't noticed, Sharon and I are really big on the rookies in all the classes, uh, the Cup yeah. Series now this year especially, as the big three you moved up. Both. So we, we kind of touched on this already several times. But through the eight races, Tyler Reddick's taken a solid lead in that Rookie of the Year standings. The young Richard Childress Racing driver has a pair of top tens now, seventh at the first Darlington race and eighth at Charlotte in the first one, the Coca-Cola 600, is at 185 points. But next up on the list is John Hunter Nemechek, who climbed into second in the rookie standings after the second Charlotte race with a total of 141 points. He was the highest finishing rookie in that race, placing 13th. Cole Custer posted his first career top 10 in the Cup Series at Phoenix before the stoppage in racing action, 
finished their 18th at the second Charlotte race, dropped back that spot in the standings three points behind Nemechek. And again, Christopher Bell had a little bit of a rough start, but he's climbing his way back into this as well. Now, without a doubt. Now, uh, champions, they just seem to spring from Bristol. In the past 20 years, four drivers have won the spring Bristol race on their way to the season-ending championship. No drivers have won the fall race as part of their title run in that time. And all four of the drivers are still racing full-time this year. The most recent driver to accomplish the feat was Kyle Busch, who did it on his way to winning his second NASCAR Cup Series championship. And it's been well documented, as we've mentioned. Kyle Busch has the most wins at Bristol among active drivers. Five of his eight wins have come in the early season event at this half-mile track. Now, Brad Keselowski won the spring race in 2012. Then he was racing at Dodge for Team Penske, and Jimmy Johnson won the fifth of five consecutive championships after winning the spring race in 2010. Kurt Busch also accomplished the feat winning the 2004 spring Bristol race before hoisting the series trophy uh, in that fall. So uh, watch for another champ winning maybe this year, this week at Bristol. Well, I'll have to keep an eye on that, being that I pick last off to see what champions are available when I get to make my pick. <laughs> there you go. Now, again, Sharon and I work really well together, and obviously we're on the same page as NASCAR. The next topic here is Team Penske putting that pedal to the metal. Just eight races, races into the season, Penske is showing they are forced to be reckoned with. After that off-season crew chief shakeup that saw Paul Wolf move from working with Brad Keselowski over to Joey Logano, Todd Gordon going from Logano's team to Ryan Blaney, and Jeremy Bowens moving up from or moving from Blaney to Keselowski, the Ford organization is now showing its strength. Logano is tied atop the wins list with Denny Hamlin with a pair each. Uh, he's Joey Logano's came on the West Coast swing at Las Vegas and Phoenix while Keselowski has now won the Coca-Cola 600 last weekend. Logano is near the top of the points, sitting second, 14 14 points behind leader Kevin Harvick. He also has a sixth-place finish there at the second Darlington race, while Keselowski finished fifth at Auto Club and fourth at Darlington to put together three top fives thus far in 2020, and is sitting overall fifth in points. And while Blaney finished second in the season opening Daytona 500 and third in the Coca-Cola 600, he also put together an 11th place finish in Las Vegas and holding on to a solid sixth place in the point standings. In the second of those races on the Charlotte Oval this week, Blaney recorded his second straight third place finish, while Logano and Keselowski were sixth and seventh respectively. Blaney looks to join the Team Penske colleagues in the winner's circle, and Bristol could be the place that gives him that shot. He's been solid at Bristol as of late with three straight top ten finishes in the last three races, including a fourth in the spring race one year ago. He also has an 11th and 10th place result in the spring of 2016 and the fall of 17. So may not have a champion to look at, but if Ryan Blaney's available, he might be one to look at. Okay, well, I'll tell you another driver to keep your eye on. And a lot of people are asking, would he? Could he? He's one of the picks from our fantasy group. 
the storied Wood Brothers Racing Team has been stuck at 99 wins since Ryan Blaney piloted that number 21 Ford to Victory Lane at Pocono in 2017. But this weekend could be a race in which they get that 100th win with Matt DiBenedetto. He's making his only him only his ninth start for the team, and if he does reach victory lane, he would be the 19th different driver to win for Woods. Now, last fall, then driving for Levine Family Racing, De Benedetto came oh so close to capturing his first career win at Bristol. Uh, as late in the race, he lost a large lead that he had on Denny Hamlin while trying to put Ryan Newman a lap down. Now, after Benedetto led a race-high 93 laps, Hamlin caught him with a dozen laps to go and held on for the lead. The emotional second-place result for Benedetto was a career-best finish, matched earlier this season at Las Vegas with his new team. Now, Benedetto also scored a top-ten finish at Bristol in 2016. At that time, he was driving for BK Racing, placing sixth in that spring race. The Wood Brothers has a history of bringing a driver to his first career win at Bristol. In the spring race of 2001, Elliot Sadler won his first cup race there. He started 38th and deepest in the field that a race winner has ever uh, started from at Bristol. So uh, uh, I know he's one, one, he was picked this week by our fan for racing crew. So I think a lot of people are thinking De Benedetto might do it this weekend. Certainly a good track for him to do it at. It would be great to see, even if it airs at my race pick. Um, now we're going to go to the next best at Bristol. And so while the Bush brothers have ruled Bristol amongst active drivers, Matt Kenseth isn't too far behind with four wins in Thunder Valley. Driver of the number 42 Chip Ganassi Racing Chevrolet, last one at Bristol in the spring of 2015, and it was the only of of his four wins that came in the spring race. Almost as remarkable as his wins is that he's completed nearly 95% of the laps in 36 starts that he's made at Bristol, crashing out in only four of those races. Impressive on the short track to known for beating and banging. Kenseth's last race at Bristol came back in 2017 when he finished fourth in both races. He's led a total of 1,000. 583 laps and posted 15 top fives and 22 top 10 finishes. Now, five other active drivers have two wins at the track. Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, Brad Keselowski, and Joey Logano. Hamlin is the most most recent winner at Bristol, having won last fall. Prior to Hamlin, though, the Brush brothers had run off four wins between them. Johnson won the spring race in 2017. Logano most recently in the fall of 2015, and Keselowski has the longest gap since his wins, which were back-to-back in the fall of 2011 and the spring of 2012. So there's another one. Uh, could be a sleeper pick. All right. Well, we know Darrell Waltrip tops the all-time wins list at Bristol with 12. Dale Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace, and Kale Yarborough trail with nine wins. But the last name that appears most often at Bristol Motor Speedway is Bush. Between Kyle and Kurt Bush, uh, Kyle with eight wins and Kurt with six, they have combined for, combined for 14 victories at Bristol. And there's no reason to think that number couldn't grow this Sunday in the Food City Presents Supermarket Heroes 
500. Kyle's Mark leads active drivers and wins, while Kurt is second in that group. The next closest among drivers on Sunday's entry list is Matt Kenseth with four wins, and Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, Brad Keselowski, and Joey Joey Logano having two apiece. The Bush brothers have uh, together won four of the last five races at the half-mile track. Kyle is the most recent Bush to post a win, capturing a victory in the spring race a year ago. Kurt preceded him the fall before. Overall, in 38 starts, Kurt has six wins, 12 top fives, 20 top tens, and has led 1,095 laps at Bristol. Kyle, on the other hand, has eight wins as part of 12 top fives, 17 top tens, and has led 2,334 laps in 29 starts at that track. All right. Last up. Well, no, I guess it's not last up, but the Food City uh, is going to honor supermarket heroes. We've seen this before, doing some special things. It was originally scheduled at Bristol Motor Speedway on April 5th, but the pause in racing pushed that event to this Sunday now. Uh, earlier this week, the partner, longtime Bristol Motor Speedway partner, Food City, announced a new event to honor the individuals working in the grocery industry throughout this pandemic. So the Food City presents the Supermarket Heroes 500, honors all workers from the cashiers, those in the stockroom, workers in the fresh uh, food departments, and the truck drivers who deliver goods. Now, Food City has been the entitlement partner of the spring race at Bristol since 1992, and this Sunday marks the 60th running of that race. Again, we see a lot of different aspects to this pandemic, and this is, I think, another great one that we see sponsors doing, stepping up and honoring um, these people. Okay. Uh, Chase Elliott, we know, finally took the checkered flag at Charlotte Motor Speedway last night. Um, and uh, But he's had a couple of heartbreaking defeats while leading in the final laps at Darlington 2 and at Charlotte 1. Uh, There were four leaf clovers, clovers, though, uh, in the pathway of Chase Elliott on Thursday night as he held on to get his very first win of the season at the 312-mile event. Now, Elliott passed a fading Kevin Harvick for the lead on lap 181 of 208 and then cruised to a 2.208-second victory over fast-closing Denny Hamlin, who passed Ryan Blaney for that runner-up spot on the final lap. The win was a welcome relief for the driver of the number nine Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet. He was wrecked by Kyle Busch while running second May 20th at Darlington and was KO'd by a late caution in the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte on Sunday. And uh, that happened while he was uh, leading with just two laps left. So uh, he was ready for that win. If you're wondering if Elliott can win two in a row, well, he stands a shot at Bristol. He finished in the top five and two of the most recent three races there and finished fourth in the series track debut at Bristol in 2016. He also completed an impressive 99.3% of the laps in the races he's entered on the tough short track uh, facility. Elliott has put together four top five results in the opening eight races, five top tens. He's completed all but nine laps, and he currently sits third in the series point standings, just 41 points behind the leader, Kevin Harvick. All right, and Thunder Valley is going to welcome back NASCAR. 
and it's less than three days after taking the checkered flag at Charlotte Motor Speedway in that rain-delayed event won by Chase Elliott. Now they head back for the first short track race of the season. The the half-mile circuit near the border of Tennessee and Virginia has hosted 118 Cup Series races, and 42 different drivers visited the unusual elevated victory lane in that small infield. Denny Hamlin will be looking to go back-to-back at Brist after winning the fall race last year. If he wins on Sunday, it would be the 13th driver to win in consecutive races, most recently done by Kyle Busch in the fall of 2017 and spring of 18. He also swept the races in 2009 and done by two other drivers, active drivers, sorry, Kurt Busch with the 2003 sweep and the 2004 spring race, as well as Brad Keselowski in the fall of 11 and the spring of 12. Hamlin is also one of two drivers this season with multiple victories we've mentioned after winning the season opener at Daytona and the second Darlington race, Joey Logano being the other. His wins came at Las Vegas and Phoenix prior to the stoppage due to this pandemic. Now, Kevin Harvick is the lone driver this season to finish in the top 10 in each of the opening eight races, with five of those being top five results. So look for him to be a factor as well. Okay. I'll tell you what, Jay. (laughs) I don't know how we've been doing it, but we've been doing it, covering not just the previews, but the reviews (laughs) of uh, four races and then previewing two more races. Uh, We got it all in in this last 90 minutes. Congratulations. Yeah, it's fun. It's been a little bit different. You know, we had our moments, uh, again, trying to get different different stats up for the fans that we can share, uh, not getting them the usual channels, but I think we did a great job with it. Okay, now we're going to go off the air. Well, we already did, so I'm not even going to go there. Uh, Well, actually, I do have 30 seconds. We are going to go off the air uh, in 30 seconds. And uh, just know that uh, if you happen to be listening, uh, although you will not hear us, we will continue recording the rest of the conversation. Oh, not yet. I'm not there yet. Uh, We have 30 minutes left. I didn't want... I didn't want to interrupt you there, but I'm think I think we got 30 minutes yet. You're right. I saw I saw 30, and I thought I thought seconds. So I apologize. Yeah. I am way ahead of myself. Okay, we're actually ready to get right into our NASCAR hot topic sound off, and uh, I'm excited about this because we've got a lot to talk about. And and this subject, I'm going to kick it off, Jay. This subject is one that I think we bring up every year around this time of year uh, about the long Coca-Cola 600. A lot of fans want to shorten that race. Um, And I wanted to talk about it here because I think there's a reason we have that race, and I hate to tamper with it, but I want to get your thoughts about it because I know we've got some other members of our fan racing crew who really want to see that race shortened. What are your thoughts? First off, and I, I believe if I, if I saw everything in our group message there, uh, unfortunately, I don't think Andy or Mike going to be able to join us today. Uh, you mentioned no, uh, one of them definitely having an opinion on that, and uh, it was it was definitely he, a hot topic. Uh, be, being that the, that being the case, uh, not that I necessarily want to be confrontational, but I do have a disagreeing opinion with that, so would have liked to have done it head to head with him. But believe me, I have in the past. <laughs> No, I, I don't think so. Um, that is, it is one race a year. 
Um, again, these are the cup drivers. They're at the top level. That is an endurance race. So that, and tradition, uh, there are just so many reasons that I don't think it is. I don't think that all races need to be 500 miles in length. There are some, and the, these midweek races have shown we can get some exciting races, but there are certain ones you just don't mess with. And that being the lone remaining 600 mile, the world 600, now the Coca-Cola 600, uh, I personally don't think should ever be messed with. I, I 100% agree with you. I think there's a reason we have that race on our schedule, and there's a reason that it's in the premier series of the sport, the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, this uh, this race is all about teams working together, uh, being able to have the stamina to go the distance of 600 miles, and it's also about uh, – uh, you know, being adaptable throughout the race uh, because they start in the day and they end at night. It's considered a crown jewel event within NASCAR's uh, series. Now, there are four tracks that are considered uh, crown jewel events. One is the Darlington race that we just watched, the Darlington 500, I swear, Southern 500 is what we typically call it. Um, that's going to take place over Labor Day, I think. Is that right? Yep. Hopefully. Again, okay, as yeah. it is right now, obviously the schedule is fluid, but that is still slated to go on as scheduled. Okay. Uh, and then the next, uh, the next one is Indianapolis 500. Uh, not the 500, but the Indianapolis race, the Brickyard 400, uh, that we typically run at uh, a very storied track, and I know there's a lot of controversy there about racing at that track, uh, but again, there's a reason we race there. It's a very storied, historic track. Um, and then um, I'm trying to think the other crown jewel. For some reason, it's evading me. Darlington, oh, don't make me point it out, Sharon. Charlotte, Indianapolis, and there's a fourth one that's not coming to me right now, but I I know... Uh, I'm going to try, and, I'm gonna try and whisper that it's the Daytona 500. Oh, the Daytona 500. <laughs> Thank you. The the season opening race is the other crown jewel. Uh, so that you don't want to take a crown jewel race off of the schedule or mess with it and take it out of the equation. Um, I think the drivers look forward to it. That weekend is all about honoring the heroes in our military and uh, saluting them, and uh, I and I know I too get a little bit tired sometimes while I'm watching it. I did this past Sunday simply because I'd been working out in the yard all day. I came in to watch the Coca-Cola 600, and and uh, with the rain delay, I had a little bit of a hard time staying up to watch it. But I will tell you. I don't want to mess with this race. I think we need the Coca-Cola 600 for all the reasons that we mentioned. It's a test of their stamina and uh, a kind of a barometer, if you will, of how these teams are working together uh, through the changes throughout the night. Obviously, the rain delay in the longest race of the year uh, doesn't help things <laughs> any by no means. Uh, it doesn't help any race, but that one especially. So, I know this past weekend that obviously hurt that one for its ratings, but um, there is, like you said, there is such a list of reasons. And another one is being that it is a hometown for most of yeah. the race team. So you're talking about family and friends, drivers being able to sleep in their own bed, 
you know, so that, that whole weekend, and I know the length of the race doesn't change that, but it just goes along with that whole atmosphere of that weekend and the all-star weekend. I know there's been talk about that and I've kind of in favor of, of maybe moving the all-star race, but I understand that argument um, for the teams. That's kind of like a break in the schedule because they are at home again for most of them, not all of them, but that it really is just kind of a a little bit of a break to get to enjoy time with their family and friends that they don't always when they're on the road. So uh, it's one of those weekends. I just, I don't think you mess with. Okay. Now to fairly represent here, Mike, uh, one of our fan for racing crew members, uh, his, his complaint is that the on track product is uh, not the most exciting race to watch. Uh, And, and I kind of disagree with that as well. Uh, I know that there are times where it gets a, a little bit of a lull there, but I thought we saw some really good racing uh, as well. And uh, like I say, this is about the families getting together. You brought that up. Uh, I know Andy is kind of, uh, I think, with us. I think he agrees with Mike on a certain degree that sometimes it does produce some boring racing. But I don't think Andy, and he'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Andy wants to see that Coca-Cola 600 come off the schedule. That That is one where there are some things that Mike addresses, and I, I will acknowledge that. Um, but the, And that's not just Charlotte. I know that gets labeled as all 1.5-mile tracks, which I disagree with as well because there are certain ones that provide <laughs> some great racing action. So yes. Charlotte is one of them that the – dynamic of the car has um, alluded to some uh, some stretched out runs, some stretched out gaps as far as the race winner. We've seen that at other tracks. And that is something that I hope that NASCAR is working on. They've, I mean, obviously the the rules packages and and things we've seen change over the years, NASCAR is looking at and addressing that and working on it. For me, the biggest thing is, and and again, I wish I had the answer because I would be knocking on uh, somebody's door is the fact of good car or bad car if you get out front. You know, if you got a bad car, get out front, you look like a rocket. Where you have a good car, you're not out front, you look like crap. And that is something that, like I said, I wish I had the answer, um, but that is, I think, is where NASCAR needs to focus on is that open-air front-running position having a huge advantage, even if you don't have the greatest car, to, to kind of bring that back together. Um, so I think they can leave the, the length of the race alone, work on that, working on the car. And again, I know they're working on the, the next gen car. Um, see if mm-hmm. that gets addressed. I know they've tried different horsepower packages, so they're, they're looking at it and they understand that the on track action is what represents race and, you know, interest in NASCAR. They're working on it. Yeah. And as far as ratings go, Jay, I, I think it's unfair to say that the ratings were down for this particular race. Uh, and to attribute it to the racing uh, because there was the rain delay, and a lot of people tuned into something else once that rain delay happened. So I don't think that's a fair, necessarily a fair representation of, of the overall racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Overall, and I'm going to lead this into the next hot topic, if you don't mind, um, overall the ratings have been up for the midweek racing. And, uh, you know, for a while here, NASCAR is the only sport uh, for people to be watching. And uh, now that we've got Darlington and Charlotte, we're headed to Bristol. Uh, what are your thoughts about the midweek racing? And, and should NASCAR consider doing that more 
going into the 2021 season. Uh, one one thing to wrap up that you mentioned on there uh, of the ratings for Charlotte before I move on to the uh, midweek races. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know when when you guys were chatting in the in the group messenger, you, you heard my response. Not all states, but a lot of areas had begun to be open up. So I myself Sunday night, I was at a dirt track because I could be. <laughs> so you know that right. kind of played in a factor. That was kind of opening weekend, if you will, uh, for some people to get out and about. So I think that also kind of played into uh, the ratings there. That's a very good point. As- As far as the the midweek races, uh, we've had this as a hot topic for, I think, as long as I've been on the show with you for about three years. That is one that (laughs) I said, with this pandemic, bad thing. With that, NASCAR had to make some schedule changes and rough things that they're doing. But I think long-term is going to come out as a good thing because they got to test that, feel that water. And this is without fans. So, um, you know, they aren't going to get the full picture, but I think overall it's been an absolute success. And I think that is one where I would back up Mike, this Charlotte race, uh, this past week here was, a was it 300 mile, 208 laps? That is an example of, okay, if you're going to do a midweek race, you shorten the races. And even though it's on a 1.5 mile track, it's going to be a short sprint race, if you will. So I think is going to provide that intensity i know they talked about it in the broadcast that intensity from the get-go not that drivers aren't out there running their hardest any race they're in however if it's a 500 mile race to be there to win it you got to be there at the end of 500 miles so a shorter race obviously you got to get what you can get early on because you don't have the time the laps to make adjustments or the pit stops to make adjustments so um same goes with this whole no practice and no no qualifying. I think we've seen some great racing because of that. So I think that's another mm-hmm. thing that NASCAR is going to be able to look at and go, hey, can we do this better, save the team's money, save time, all these things. So um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I really am. Okay. I tend to agree. I hope we don't go overboard on it, though. Uh, because from from my perspective, the, the turnaround on some of these things, and as you know, even for NASCAR to get information out to us, uh, is is very very tight. So I think if they do it uh, very selectively, I think it's a really great idea. I'm not in favor necessarily of shortening the races, though. Again, this is NASCAR's premier series. Uh, these are the top tier drivers. Uh, their races should be a little bit longer. And, in fact, as I watched the Truck Series race and the Xfinity Series race this week, it seemed like those races went so quick. I couldn't believe how fast they were. Um, and for me, they they almost seemed like they were a little too fast. So I, I'm not necessarily in favor of uh, shortening the race. I, I think keeping the race length is, is good. Um, and if they do shorten it, I hope they don't shorten it very much because uh, I, I do think that we need to see the, the top-tier series racing the longer races. Uh, that's why those guys are there. If, if we start shortening the races, they're no different than the Xfinity Series races and the um, uh, Truck Series races because those are very short races. Now, uh, as far as... Um, you mentioned uh, no practice. 
and uh, they did do some qualifying this week. Uh, I'm all in favor of that. Uh, I I do think they could save some money if they did no practice, uh, and I think it gives a little bit uh, different dimension uh, to the drivers getting in their cars and getting ready to race. They've got to make those adjustments uh, very quickly, or they've got to come to the track with the, the car in the shape that it needs to be in to be able to compete. So, again, it goes back to the skill level of uh, the drivers and the teams uh, that are racing in NASCAR's top three series. So uh, I know the drivers said it was a little bit scary, but I think the more they do it, the more comfortable they'll be. And the fact that they can condense their weekend, I think, would be a big plus for them as well. I got got a couple things there. Uh, You made two excellent points uh, I wanted to hit on. The first one of Mm -hmm. the truck series, um, almost being a little bit too short. Uh, I'd have to agree with that, especially since some of the the action they provide, which that might be why some of that is a little bit more that case, because again, with the sprint race, you got to, got to go when you can, um, that provides that kind of racing action. But like you said, they are at the, at the top level. So it's kind of a, a, a tough position to be in, um, the second point, though, that you mentioned, and I hear Dave Moody talk about it all the time on uh, Sirius XM Speedway when he this topic comes up, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it be road courses, it be night races, if you or the dirt track race at Eldora, one or two is a good thing, provides that interest. Don't go full bore and overdo it, and it <laughs> loses what it provides. You know, uh, he he harps on that so much, and I'd have to agree with him. You know, and it's one of those NASCAR tries to give the fans what they want. So they scream for night races. We went to six, seven, eight, nine night races. Then they're like, oh, we don't want to see all these night races. It's like, you know, you <laughs> got to find that that happy medium. Um, right. going, going back to last, the last thing you had there, and it, it sticks in my head, and I know when we talked about this on Hot Topics uh, in the previous weeks, the no practice thing. Uh, it was talking about Jimmy John, uh, not Jimmy Johnson, sorry, William Byron and Chad Canales, and it referenced that of Chad Canales not in, having that practice time, and that is one I think I very specifically mentioned. You give a, a crew chief like Chad Canales the time they unload, they're at a certain speed. You give him an hour and a half of practice, three hours, whatever they have over a weekend, he's going to find more speed out of that car. I mean, he's <laughs> going to will it, make it. You know, I mean. So that's where I said it might bring the field closer together because they don't. the top teams like Chad Canales don't have that opportunity. Other teams can unload and be a little bit closer. I'm not saying they're going to come out and beat them, but uh, even, even your analyst talked about that. You, you give Chad Canales that extra hour half of, of track time, yeah, he's going to find something. So um, I know it takes away from part of that aspect of the team and, and whatnot. So I think there again, I think they can find a happy medium you know, maybe an hour of practice, combine it with qualifying was my suggestion. You know, you've got an hour window, you practice, and then your top speed out of that is your qualifying time. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of find that happy medium, you know, meet the need of, okay, we want to qualify, get a little bit of practice, doesn't drug out with three different practice sessions over the weekend, saves the team's money. So I think there's a way NASCAR can find the happy medium. Yeah, I think that, that – uh... I think you're right about Chad Canales, and, and the thing that's good about that, if they do limit the practicing um, or have no practice at all, 
is that it's going to bring more parity to the racing, and you're going to see other drivers competing that you don't normally see competing uh, up in front. And that's one of the things I've really enjoyed this year uh, in all three series. We're seeing that in all three series, and uh, I think that's a good thing. And especially now, with them not having the practice, uh, I think it uh, it makes the competition better uh, throughout the series. So um, uh, those are some uh, interesting thoughts that you brought up there, Jane. Okay, now I've kind of dominated the hot topics, so you tell me what your hot topics are. <laughs> well, actually, I see that as a really good thing because I was a little concerned with uh, my list of hot topics, especially since all the notes we went through, we joked about it, but truthfully, I think four out of the six hot topics I had revolved around Kyle Busch. So <laughs> I'll pick, oh, okay. I'll pick, <laughs> well, I'll pick one of them to, to start with, and I'm sure – I'm sure it'll lead into some others. Um, we'll, we'll start with the, the being out at the Xfinity racing. Kyle Busch had made the state of he wanted to hit 100 wins, and then he would quit. Uh, this past mm-hmm. weekend with the Xfinity win was, I believe, his 97th. So he's approaching mm-hmm. that. And I saw an interview uh, where it got brought up, and he kind of hedged on it. Um, saying that, you know, that was his target and his intent was to quit after 100. However, if Joe Gibbs Racing needed him to come and check out a car or do this or that, he'd be willing to. So, and the mentality, a lot of this revolves around the fan mentality. They're going to jump all over him for that. And, again, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I like the fact that there are restrictions now with how many they can run. I know that provides some issues for him, especially in the truck series of getting sponsors, but I think NASCAR has done a good job with limiting that. I I like where it's at right now, and I think it is a necessity to have some cup stars in these races, not all the time, but occasionally. It is a draw. Promoters use it. Past weekend, the uh, bounty thing, I mean, went over so big. So um, there's some good to it, too, but just the fact that he said he was going to quit at 100 and maybe now isn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that interview, too, and he did kind of leave that door open. But you're right. Some fans, and for a legitimate reason, I know that, you know, there's going to be times when uh, he is going to be asked to to, uh, check on something for the organization, and he'd be more than happy to do it. Kyle Busch likes to race. There's no doubt about it. But um, you know my position on this. I uh, over the years, I've always said I think it's a good thing to have some of these cup drivers in these lower tier series. Uh, now NASCAR's found, I think, the happy medium there uh, by limiting the number of races that they can run and uh, still keep it competitive. Kyle Busch's approach to all of that has been to say, okay, the first five races in the Xfinity series, the first five races in the truck series, those are the races I'm going to be running, then I'm done for the rest of the year, and I don't have to hear people complain. So uh, he's done a really good job with that. You know that at the beginning of the year, Kyle Busch is going to be in those races. And um, he's only three races away. Uh, We've heard other drivers say how much they enjoy having a driver like Kyle Busch in the race because it gives them a chance to see where they are and can they get to a point that they can compete with him or even beat him, uh, very much like we saw happen this weekend um, 
with uh, who was it that beat him? Was that Chase? Well, Chase? Chase Elliott did in the trucks, but uh, it was two weeks ago. Uh, Chase Briscoe did door to door, wheel to wheel, and Austin Cindric yes. yes. also came very very close. Yes, those drivers love that because they get an opportunity to race against the very, one of the very best drivers in the Cup Series. And if they can be wheel-to-wheel with him and even beat him, that's the biggest day of their life. I mean, that is a huge, huge accomplishment. And they learn by following him and racing with him. That's how they learn their craft and get better at their craft. So he's not taking anything away from them. Kyle Busch is giving a lot back uh, to the drivers, and he does it on the track. He does it off the track. Any driver who has questions, he's open to answering their questions about racing. And um, so I'm a I'm a big proponent of having those guys in there. But getting to your question about the 100 races, uh, I think it's okay for him to have that door open and to be there for his organization if called upon. And uh, if he wants to race the five races forever, I have no problem with it. <laughs> so, Jay, anything you want to add to that? All, all I got to say is how many negative things, you follow Twitter and other social media and, and NASCAR and all that, how many negative things did you see about Chase Elliott being in the truck series and Chase Elliott winning that race? Because I didn't <laughs> see a one. So it's not about exactly. Cup stars it's being in it. Kyle it's Bush. about Kyle Busch being in it. Yep, yep. And we've seen that over and over again, that uh, another driver doing exactly the same thing that Kyle Busch does. Kyle Busch will get the grief, and the other driver will not. So Kyle Busch is one of the best in the business. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I applaud him uh, for, one, having a goal and going after it, because that's part of what this is about. He wants to win those 100 races uh, in the Xfinity Series. Uh, I have to applaud him for having those kind of goals and and doing what he needs to do to go after it. And I have to applaud him for what he does to to help other drivers. So it's all good on my end. <laughs> and and with that, like I said, uh, four of the topics I had uh, kind of all tie together. But we'll go with that one. Of I know Mike, I think put it. Or I don't know if it was Mike or Andy um, put it in the group messenger there late last night. Of the is there a rivalry now between Kyle Busch and mm. Chase Elliott. And one one thing there, just uh, we, we don't even have to talk about it as a, as a hot topic, but I want to throw it out there. To give that credit to mm-hmm. Kyle Busch, and it leads into the rivalry. I don't know if he was the first one, but after Chase Elliott's heartbreak there with the Coca-Cola 600, made the, deci- the team decided to pit, didn't get back to the front, gave, a, gave one away, if you will. Kyle Busch was one of the first ones, if not the first, to go over and talk to Chase Elliott, having been there and known that and put his arm around him or six feet from him, I think, if their social distancing, mm-hmm. distancing was in effect. <laughs> but let him know, hey, I know how that feels, you know, type deal. Mm-hmm. So, and there again, I don't think the, the, the video is out there, but where were, where were these people saying, hey, that was great on Kyle? If he does something wrong, everybody and their brother's on there about what he did wrong. What about what he does right? So with that, <laughs> everybody where does my this brother. rivalry stand? Yeah, my brother is one of those everybody's. Um, yeah. <laughs> speaking oh. of brothers, right? <laughs> speaking of brothers, yeah. Um, yeah, I 100% agree once again. Uh, Kyle Busch 
first of all, made it a point to say, I would never do anything to hurt that team. I have a lot of friends on that team, and I would never do anything to hurt them. Now, some people look at that and they see, oh, it's a public relations thing. He's trying to clean up his image, and, you know, there's no truth to that. Well, there is truth to that. Alan Gustafson was his crew chief. Alan Gustafson probably took some of that team with him when he went over to um, to uh, uh, Chase's car. So Kyle's right. He does know a lot of people in that team, and he probably doesn't want to do anything to hurt them. So you're right. He He stood up. He said it was my mistake. He put his arm uh, figuratively around Chase Elliott and said, I would never do anything to hurt you guys. I know how it feels to have that done to you. If there was a way to take it back, I would, but there isn't. There's nothing he can do to change a mistake. And think about the mistakes that you make. Is there anything you can do to change those mistakes after you make them? There isn't. So the same thing is true for, for Kyle Busch. He's not, he's human. He's not perfect. He's going to make mistakes. And uh, I do think that uh, there is not going to be a rivalry there for all the reasons that I just outlined. These are people who are friends with one another. Um, Chase made the point to say it doesn't change the fact that it really hurt my team. And that's true. Uh, That's undeniable. He still has to go through Uh, the defeat, if you will, and it doesn't help his team. It doesn't change the fact. But um, And and you do feel for for Chase on that regard. But look at what he did. The best way to get back is, one, focus on what I need to do to get into victory lane, and that's what Chase Elliott did. So I think all the right things happened in a situation where a mistake was made, and I have no complaints there whatsoever. All right. Well, and I'll use that to tie into my next one. Um, if you if you want to do your time spiel now, now would be the time. Yeah. I think we're coming up with two minutes out. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Um, we are coming up to the two-hour mark of our show, and we do go off the air at two hours. However, we continue recording the rest of our conversation as we continue to discuss some of the hot topics uh, leading up to the weekend of racing and coming from the weekend of racing. So if you happen to be listening to this, we're really putting it together as a podcast, but if you happen to be listening, we will go off the air uh, right at the uh, 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock hour, but uh that recording will continue, and that part of our show will be available on our podcast. I go out on Twitter to let everybody know that the podcast is available. And if you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So uh, we have the player up at com if you want to do that. All right. Those listening on the podcast, will have it will be seamless. You'll be able to listen straight through. Okay, I got it in. <laughs> All right. Um, in, in response to the, to the rivalry issue, to, to wrap that portion of it up, if anything, I see it as kind of that friendly rivalry that we saw between Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon. Uh, you know, there is respect oh, okay. there. Yep. 
the respect there again. Yeah, there were some jabs back and forth. Chase Elliott doing that the bow. Uh, I personally thought was better than giving him the finger. I think that probably yeah. got you know his point across more than anything. Um, well, and, and just to piggyback on that real quick, Kyle Busch said uh, imitation uh, is the invention of flattery or something like that. Um, so I'm trying to think. Sincerest form of flattery. The sincerest form of flattery. That's right. So yeah. So he took it as a. He did not take it as a negative at all. And I see that going, especially again these two at the top level. Uh, Chase Elliott obviously coming up as a not a rookie anymore, but um, rising star, um, one that can go toe to toe with Kyle Busch week in and week out, especially the way they're running right now. So. And that is one I think is a, I see as a good thing for NASCAR. Um, the the other aspect of that that I had as a hot topic is the maturity and recovery that we saw in Chase Elliott. Um, we've seen yeah. in years past where even a, a, a top ten finish or a top five finish, he was really down and hard on himself. Now he mentioned with the the loss of the Coca Cola six hundred. Um, having to come in that pit stop and didn't get back to get the win. And a lot of people believe he could have, you know, he said after winning the truck race, you know, it's a, it's a win at Charlotte. It's a win. Um, and then as well as winning the second Charlotte race, that, that, that thought is still there. He said, you know, it's not the 600, but it is a win. And I think we, we've seen him, like I said, mature and be able to recover and be like, okay, that's still in the back of my mind, but I'm not going to let it take me down from what I'm doing now. He came back and won two races and two series. So uh, I think we're seeing the, the real maturation and, and hitting a peak level for Chase Elliott, which I think is going to bode real good for that team and his development as a star, as a top star at the NASCAR Cup Series level. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Jay. He has matured a lot because I remember those days too. Uh, Chase Elliott is not the guy who's going to go out there and blame everybody else when he loses a race. Uh, he is really he has been known to be really hard on himself uh, when he does not get a win and he thinks he should have. So uh, to see him go from being so hard on himself, not that he shouldn't be introspective and look at what maybe he could have done differently, but to take it more in stride and to refocus on the things that will get him into victory lane, I think is a huge step for Chase Elliott. And uh, he really showed that. He had some tough weeks (laughs) at Darlington. He had a tough race at, at Charlotte, but that did not prevent him from racing uh, that second Charlotte race. So, yeah, kudos to Chase Elliott on that. Uh, he is, by the way, the most popular Cup Series driver in NASCAR. And uh, so that uh, spark that happened between him and Kyle Busch um, uh, probably engaged quite a few fans, just as another point of note. I'm I'm sure that it it did. His popularity is just going to continue to grow um, with that. And again, as he as he becomes more mature and able to win week in and week out and contend for championships, um, I think you're just going to see that that blow up even more so than it has, if that's even possible. <laughs> now, I just want to mention while we're talking about Kyle Busch here, um, 
Kyle and Kurt Busch are going to help call the Xfinity race at Bristol Motor Speedway. That should be interesting to see. It most certainly should be. And, and, you know, I heard when they announced it that the Bush brothers were going to be together in the Xfinity race. Until we read today's NASCAR news and notes, it didn't really click as to, you know, why at that particular track. But we looked at the history they have at Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, No better drivers to have as far as it comes to, to analyzing a British race. And I like overall the, what NASCAR has done with, with Fox sports one and, and other um, NBC bringing some drivers in the drivers that, and I know they get a benefit. A lot of times it's that um, they get, get a, a something to the, to their charity, whatever it may be, but they are giving up mm-hmm. their time and, and it provides such great insight you know, we've enjoyed Clint Boyer, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski has done some, and I, I really, I, I am really looking forward to this, uh, the, the Kurt Busch and Kyle Busch, the brothers being up there, uh, especially like I said at a track like uh, Bristol that they have been so dominant at. And Kyle's yeah, not that, in the race so, then, right? And uh, <laughs> Kyle's not in the race <laughs> if he's going to be calling it. But I'll tell you what, um, a lot of those drivers are going to be listening to the replay not that they don't already do that but they're going to be listening pretty closely to what Kurt and Kyle are saying about that race uh afterward uh when they go back and listen to it because as we know a lot of these drivers uh review the tape uh from these races so that they can learn from their mistakes and learn from what they're doing on the track this is going to be another learning opportunity most certainly, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, again, the, the two drivers there, we're talking about the Bush brothers, Kyle specifically. I'm sure he's not going give to give away any super secrets, but, again, any <laughs> opportunity you have to learn from somebody of that stature, you know, you got to take advantage of it. I mean, it's just – I'll give you a personal example. There's a, a dirt track race announcer that was up in the booth, and I went up to sit by and watch. And somebody asked me, well, did he let you do anything? Did he tell you this and tell you that? And I said, no. And if he said he wanted coffee in this way or, you know, with cubed sugar and whatever, I'd go get it and come back and sit down. I was like, he doesn't have to tell me anything. I can just sit and watch because you just learn so much, <laughs> you know. Uh, unbelievable. And just to have that opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. Yes, yes, without a doubt. Um, okay, any other topics that you have on your list? I do. Uh, I'll steer away. I do still have one Kyle Busch one there that relates back to a previous hot topic, but I will bring up a new one and then see if we have time for that last one. Just a little, we still got 30 minutes. So if we need it, Mm -hmm. Um, talking about the rookies, uh, going back and look at Alex Bowman of where he started, the teams he drove with (laughs) and where he is now. And I don't know what the contract situation is. And I'm just throwing this out. There's a wild thing. Hopefully Mike goes back and listens to the podcast because I know he's doing articles on this. But what the contract situation was with John Hunter Nemechek and Front Row Motorsports, and then that leading to what Mike's looking at and doing articles on of driver of the number 48. Point being, what we have seen out of John Hunter Nemechek in that number 38 Front Row Motorsports, what he's doing with that team, what he could do with a top team such as possibly the number 48 for Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, wow, that's a really good point. Um, John Hunter Nemechek really has impressed 
uh, in just a few races so far in the Cup Series career. Uh, and, and like I say, we were thinking big three coming into this season with uh, uh, Reddick and Custer and Bell. We were thinking top three. He's made it the four. Four drivers, four um, competitors as rookies in this Cup Series have really, really impressed. Uh, and although Custer and, and Bell are kind of uh, playing catch-up to Reddick and, and John Hunter Nemechek, I do think that we're going to see those guys come into their own as this season continues to progress. And this battle for the rookie is going to be um, uh, amazing. But getting back to your point of what John Hunter Nemechek is doing at Front Row Motorsports, it really is impressive. And I think part of the reason he is so good at Front Row Motorsports is because he spent time racing for his dad's team, Nemco Motorsports. And he's learned how to get the most out of his car, even when it's not there. And uh, he's doing that even with Front Row Motorsports. Uh, we've seen John Hunter Nemechek do it with Nemco. We're now watching him do it with uh, with uh, Front Row Motorsports. And I think we're going to continue to see some really great things uh, from these guys. I, I uh, am excited to continue to watch this rookie battle go on. Um, if he was to be the driver to go into that 48, uh, think about the youth within Hendrick Motorsports. <laughs> that is an up-and-coming. I think about Alex Bowman. You brought up Alex Bowman. We've watched Alex Bowman over the years, uh, and he had that trajectory where he was racing for uh, teams that were underfunded, that didn't have the same equipment that Hendrick Motorsports has, and he was racing at the back of the field. Occasionally you'd see him get a little extra out of the car um, and and do really well, but he's in top-tier equipment now, and look how well he's doing. I think the same thing could happen for John Hunter Nemechek. And and there's several possibilities out there, obviously the 48 ride being one of the top ones, but that is what got Alex Bowman noticed. And I know he was with Tommy Mm -hmm. Baldwin racing as well as I believe BKR racing were the two that come to my mind. And we've seen it with other drivers. Yes. Drivers that are in even good equipment, you see the talent, but they tear up cars and I hate to bring it up because I know it adds fuel to the fire, but Ricky Stenhouse uh, was one of them. We've talked about Noah Gregson, Tyler Reddick, two or three of those that had the talent, but maybe pushed the car too much. Whereas John Hunter Nemechek is on the other end of saves that equipment, doesn't tear up a lot of cars. Mm-hmm. And there are teams that, again, that they're, they're taking notice of that. Like you said, getting everything out of the car that it's capable a little bit more, but not doing it to the point where it tears up the car. So I, I think yeah, that teams and sponsors that, you know, that are footing the bill um, highly watch that. So you're right. I see a lot of parallels between him and Alex Bowman in the path that they've come up through to get where they're at and where it could lead to in the future. And I say not the only other opportunity. I know we've had discussions about what's going to happen with the 42 of Chip Ganassi racing. Matt Kenseth making a Mm -hmm. showing now possibly could be back. There's ties to Ross Chastain, but John Hunter Nemechek also drove some races for, uh, for Chip Ganassi as well. So uh, put his name in that hat as well. That's a, that's a very good point. 
Uh, I I like John Hunter John Hunter Nemechek. I think he had one incident. Uh, I think it was John Hunter Nemechek. One incident at a road course race where he knocked somebody out uh, going after the win, but that was an exception. And I think the same thing happened with Austin Cindric now that I'm thinking about it. Those appear to be exceptions to the rule for the way those drivers are now racing. And uh, they both take very good care of their equipment. And uh, yeah, I think we've got a lot to look forward to, Jay. Uh, most certainly. And you're right. Every driver has that, just like every driver makes a mistake, whether it be Jimmy Johnson. We saw his a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Busch with the one Kyle we saw Bush. this past week. Um, so yeah, we, we do see that occasionally. And I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, the one you're referring to was John Hunter Nemechek and Cole Custer. Wasn't that the two of them? At I Canadian think it was. He Fire ran right into the Park. fence. Yes. Yeah. Uh, most certainly, uh, that was one. And that was one where, again, we see Cole Custer normally as a calm, cool, collected driver. Uh, we saw <laughs> a momentary lapse in that. <laughs> we did. We did. So... Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be uh definitely fun to watch this group come up through the ranks and, and see where they uh, kind of hang their hat uh when this is all said and done. Uh because a couple of them I think uh, could end up hanging their hat in different places than where they are in their rookie year. And I think this rookie year is gonna really uh, it's one of the most fun rookie years I think I've seen in the Cup series in a very long time. Actually, I think it is all three of the series, uh, the Xfinity series and truck series as well, have a really great crop of rookies that we're watching, each one just as interesting as the other uh, throughout all three of the NASCAR's top series, which, again, I like because that tells me where the future is at, and I, I see good things. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Okay. What else you got? Oh, all right. I will... We got time. Um, this is kind of tied into an old topic, but it's also the current one of today, which I guess we'll label it as the Defend Kyle Busch uh, tour here, if you will, for today. But <laughs> we had the discussion, I believe it was last, uh, and I say last week, last time we had hot topics of drivers that were spinning out while having a flat tire. Kyle yeah. Busch had a flat tire on whatever day it was, Thursday, I guess. Drove the car for a full lap, I believe, and he made a, a. There's a tweet out there on it. Didn't spin it out. Went to pit road. Took his penalty. Went two laps down. Got back to one lap down. And I know I can already hear the other argument. It was the left front rear tire that was flat, not the right rear, which obviously makes a difference. Mm-hmm. But the point being, it can be controlled. It can be handled. Yeah, you're going to take the penalty. Yes, Kyle Busch has a better car than a lot of drivers and a better driver than a lot of drivers, able to maintain it, take his penalty, and still get back towards the front, being the team they have. Point being, though, he did not intentionally spin it out, did not intentionally protect his position. So I got to give him a shout-out, kudos for that. And, again, it's one of those that makes me, tends me, leads me down that road of, hey, are guys really losing control of the car or is it intentional? But I think there again, Kyle Busch showed it can be done, and I don't think he gets credit for it. Well, yeah, he should get credit for it because he's a manhandler when it comes to handling that car. He knows how to control his car better than most other drivers. Let me ask you, 
what other drivers do you know right now that would be able to do what Kyle Busch did? Uh, it would be very limited, I'll tell you that, Put, putting it on to uh, one hand. With the flat tire, uh, maybe even le- less, but, I mean, we've seen that yeah. with cars getting loose and how sideways they get. Several of those we've seen tendency is to have come from the dirt track background, but not always. Um, there again, mm-hmm. Kyle is one that he can be coming down the straightaway. You see the, the rear end of the rear his car and him not spin out, so... Uh, that is very limited, like I said, maybe maybe one hand that you could count the drivers that can. Um, exactly. So that kind of answers your question about our drivers intentionally doing it. Most drivers don't have the same kind of car control that Kyle Busch has. And uh, there might be a few, but most drivers don't. And we have seen some incredible saves by some drivers, by the way, um, on the track. Maybe not from a, a loose tire or um, down t- tire, a flat tire, but we there's been other situations where they've been uh, inadvertently hit and and they've been able to keep their car control. Chase Briscoe did it when he was racing against Kyle Busch. Um, so I'm te- I'm telling you, we have a lot of really talented drivers on the track, but. When you're driving at those speeds and you get a flat tire, that is not an easy thing to accomplish. It is very, very difficult. And uh, there's a lot of drivers out there that can't do it. As as you just uh, told us, uh, very few drivers are able to to handle a car going at those speeds when it goes flat. So, again, I... Does it occasionally happen? It probably does. Do, are they so good at it that we don't uh, notice it? I suppose that is possible. But I think about the integrity of our sport, and I know that these drivers are going to try to push. I know that the teams try to push the envelope as far as they can. But if they're doing that, it is so bad for the sport, it is so bad for them from a personal integrity point of view that, um, uh, it, it, and if the team's promoting it, I, I just don't think it, it would be very good for the sport at all. I just have to believe that that's not happening. And if well, it is happening, well, it's very limited. And and I go back to it, and it was at the time the most popular driver, Dale Jr., you know, and he admitted, and he said, you know, yeah, I was wrong. Um, You know, at that time, your your first thought is uh, protect your position. I can still get back in this. Um, And I think that Mm -hmm. kind of brought some light to it. And I know NASCAR did address it, and they have a rule to some extent of a big rule that they can apply when necessary. And we've seen that happen, and unfortunate. And you're right. I think that was a very big black eye, and I hopefully drivers and, and uh, the entire industry took note of that. So hopefully that does mm-hmm. limit it. Um, you know, and, and it's no different than the whole speeding thing, you know. And NASCAR's got that now, where it's timing. So th- there is no yep. argument with that. But the uh, there's other little things, come. like you said. What's All that? the rules come from those people that push it too far. <laughs> Uh, that's right. You're, you're right. Uh, and, I, and I look at air traffic that, that way of all the rules we got to know. Every rule is there because something happened and it went bad. Now we have to have a rule. You know, a lot of times we right. say, well, why is that even there? It's because something happened 
and you want to prevent it from happening again. So um, you're right. That, that is why the rule book is the way it is. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, I would hate to see NASCAR get into a position where they have to judge whether a spin was legitimate or not. It is so hard to do that objectively. And um, I, I just think it's wrong for fans uh, to to jump to that conclusion. I think if it happens, it's the exception. It's not the rule. Uh, can things happen in the spur of a moment? Absolutely. I think it happened with Jeff Burton one time. It happened, you brought up uh, Dale Jr., um, you know, saying something to that effect. But those that's not something that those guys do on a regular basis. It's just not. So... Um, I think you're talking about spur of the moment, isolated situations that once they do it, they don't want to be in a position of continuing to do that because it's going to do as much harm to them as it is to the sport in the long run if if people catch on to that. And if uh, you love most certainly. Sport, it, <laughs> you're you're right. Just like I said, Junior acknowledged it. He said he regretted it. You know, type type deal. Um, you can't change the past. You can only change going forward. So. Hopefully we do see more of that if it is indeed happening, um, even if they don't get caught or penalized. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else you got? Actually, what I'd like to do here, if, you, if you're okay with it, bring up a topic, but use it to carry over till Tuesday. Uh, I know we covered a lot okay. here. Uh, obviously had some great discussions, but it's one of those, uh, obviously, with Mike and Andy, uh, this is one I'd kind of like more feedback, and I think is a bigger topic. I saw it circulate or pop up again, and I, I'm trying to think how to call it. The choose line, and I know we've broached this before when it comes to line? lining up for restarts. Okay. Um, when it comes to lining up for restarts, you have the choice. If the leader goes to the inside, second place can go to the inside, third place can go to the inside, fourth place can go to the inside. First person that chooses right. to get to go, go to the outside can go all the way up to the front and technically get second spot, but they're going to be on the unpreferred lane, if you will. So what it is is a track puts out a cone, and as you approach that cone or whatever they choose to use, a paint on the, on the track or whatever, um, that drivers have that option. So, again, you could gain five or six spots. If everybody's going to the preferred line, and I'm just using the inside as an example, that fifth, sixth, seventh car might get to choose to go to the outside, move up five or six spots, but they're in the unpreferred lane. Um, whether or not you think NASCAR should do it. I have personally never seen it. I have heard of it. Um, and I know, like I said, we have co- come across this topic before. I haven't been to a, a dirt track or any, any race that actually uses it. Uh, so I haven't seen it firsthand. It is intriguing. And as like I said, I wanted to get the whole crew's uh, opinion on that, and I know I think Tuesday night I think we're going to have everybody back together. Okay, I think that would be a good idea, uh, and and we can bring that up again. Um, I have not noticed it really impacting the racing. Have you Have you noticed a situation, or can you isolate a situation where that's um, no, like I, egregiously like I said, helps somebody? Well, like I said, I haven't seen it in play um, at any track or any race I've been to. But I understand, like I said, you could go from, say, 7th or 8th up to 2nd starting position, if you will. It's a matter then whether or not that line will hold, because obviously if everybody's going to one lane or the other, it's the preferred lane for a reason. 
So, but I think mm-hmm. it would be something interesting. Like I said, I would I would like to see it uh, at a dirt track, and there's several in the area that I know do use it. I I've never seen it in play. So, um, okay, but just are you saying NASCAR is using that? No, the uh, or whether it, or not they should. That that was a question. Whether, oh, whether or not, or not they, they should. should. Okay. And okay. I, I don't remember I who had sure it on Twitter. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. The, what what we have around here at NASCARs is the front row gets choice, inside or out. Second place has to go. Exactly. Third is always on the inside. Okay. Fourth outside. Okay. Dirt tracks in the area where I'm at, they do what's called the Dixie double file. Leader starts on a row by themselves. Second gets choice of inside or outside, but then they alternate all the way through the field. Okay, so NASCAR's locked down. Third is always on the inside, fourth outside. Those don't have a choice. In this case, it's the, once the le- the second place chooses behind the leader, everybody else has to follow, but they alternate inside, outside. So this gives that option to the drivers as they hit that mark, whatever it may be, that they get to choose themselves. And like I said, you could have five, six, seven, eight go one way. That one guy goes to the other lane. He's going to move up starting-wise. X number of positions. So, um, like I said, I see some intrigue okay, to it. I, I haven't seen it. See how it actually works. Yeah, I could see. Uh, I could see more manipulation happening with that than I would see happening with the flat tires that we've been talking about. Um, uh, it's an interesting concept. I'm really curious to know. Um, your thoughts about it, if you think NASCAR should do it or if it's something you think they should stay away from? I, I think or is there a reason why they're not doing it? Um, why, I, don't, I can't, I can't honestly answer as to why they wouldn't. And like I said, I, I've heard about it before. I haven't seen it happen, so it's different. Uh, I'll just say that. But when you talk about manipulation, we see that now when it comes to these, what line you're going to line up in especially tracks like coming up at Bristol, guys speeding yep. down to the end of pit road, but then checking up because they know they want this car in front of them so they get to the outside lane. So we're already seeing that um, yeah, that's to a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, we don't want NASCAR monitoring every single thing. And though right now those guys are still playing within the rules. And like right. I said, this would actually put it. Yeah, this would actually put it in the driver driver's hands. Um, whichever side you go to, that's the lane you chose to go in. So it's your choice. Okay. Well, I have to give this some thought. So it's good that you're bringing it up now, so I can kind of think about this <laughs> before we get to, to uh, Tuesday night's show. Uh, which, by the way, I just want to remind our listeners that Monday night's Xfinity Series race is uh, causing us to move our Monday night show to Tuesday night starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Sal Segala will be back, and uh, we'll be doing our hot topics, of course, at 10 o'clock as well on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, that's intriguing. Very very good food for thought, Jay. (laughs) Well, and I say that's one that I I think – certainly have the whole crew here. I know, like I said, I know I think I've talked to Andy. I'm not sure if Mike's familiar with it or not and what his take on it is. 
Yeah, it's something I've not heard of before, and I was trying to, in my mind, I kept thinking, have we seen this happen on the track? Because I don't recall that. So I thought you were saying it was already happening on the track. No, it's one of those, and I say I can't remember where I saw it on Twitter. You occasionally see it pop up again. Like I said, I know a couple of dirt tracks around this area use it, and I think Andy had maybe is the one that said he had actually seen it at a track up there in the northeast or at least was familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be interesting to get his perspective on it then. Okay, well, we are coming up to the top of the hour, so, Jay, are you going to be at the racetrack this weekend as well? Um, I have options. I, I know that. I don't know for sure yet, again, what the what the plans are, but uh, it's possible. We'll have to see how the weather's playing out right now. Our weather isn't exactly being cooperative, but uh, you can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter or Instagram. I know that for the first weekend uh, just south of me here, Why Not Motorsports Park, our friend, uh, Yellow Caution Flag, Chris Crichton, going to get to be back on the mic i know he's excited about that there at the house of hook why not motorsports park and there's also the possibility of huntsville speedway huntsville alabama has a pro late model that's an asphalt track has a pro late model race going on um so that's a possibility as well and again you know especially if the weather's a little rough uh might just chill here at home so you never know where mj's going to pop up okay uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter. We are Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere on social media. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to do our Monday night show on Tuesday night uh, so that we can enjoy the Xfinity Series race on Monday. Um, and uh, I've got to talk to Mike. I thought he was telling me that he's going to do some rewrites on those articles that we we're working on. And I'm not sure if if I misunderstood that or what, but hopefully we'll have some articles coming out uh, in another week or so here as well uh, from Mike. And I know Andy always uh, works on a Hot Topic article, so uh, you can watch for those to be coming out as well. Uh, Sam's been doing a really great job with the recaps on the Cup Series, and um, uh, I know we want to continue the series that uh, Mike started on Who's Going to Fill the uh, shoes of Jimmy Johnson in that number 48 car when he leaves for the uh, 2021 season. So we've got a lot to look forward to. Uh, Definitely looking forward to getting back to a more normal type of routine uh, here. And uh, be on the lookout. NASCAR uh, will soon be announcing the races that will be taking place uh, after June 21st. Right now we have a schedule up to June 21st. Uh, but I think they're looking at getting uh, an extended version of that schedule published uh, sometime here very soon, so fans should be on the lookout for that. All right, with that, uh, I think we're ready to call it a wrap, Jay. All right. Um, I'm going to take a quick peek at your messenger there. I think we had one more thing thing to cover. Mention Owen. I know some um, writing writing with the uh, fan for racing blog and ra- racing as well. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, Owen uh, Owen Stewart does our power ranking and our winners and losers. Uh, with the tight schedule, it's been kind of a challenge to get those out uh, quickly enough. But uh, do watch for those articles to be coming out as well. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate the reminder there. 
and uh, <laughs> and I will be uh, definitely looking forward to Owen. He's he's pretty good about getting those out as quickly as he can. So um, definitely some more things to be looking for from Bamper Racing and our crew. Um, <clears throat> I also want to do a shout out real quick to our listeners. Uh, we appreciate all of the listeners kind of hanging in with us as we go through this modified schedule. Uh, we've had to reschedule some of our shows. We haven't been on a kind of a normal routine ourselves here at Pamper Racing Radio for a while. And uh, uh, we appreciate those people who are kind of going with the flow here and, and still following us and listening uh, to the live broadcast when it's available or to the podcast. So uh, a big shout out to all of our listeners. Well, on Tuesday night, well, Sharon, I'm sure I'll be involved there throughout the uh, either the group mess- messenger or uh, on the chat room as well, Sunday and or Monday. Yes, we'll try to get that back into action this week. Uh, with things being so tight and, and me having some other obligations kind of in the books, uh, it was a tough week for me as far as getting the chat room up. But uh, definitely look for... Uh, us to get back into action with our chat room as well. Thanks, Jay. No problem. Okay, take care, everybody. Have a good weekend. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.